0: Hello, and welcome back to Metastation for our recap of episode 410, Die All, Die Merrily, which we are so excited to yell about with you today. (laughs) I'm Claire. I'm
1: a writer in Portland, Oregon. I'm Erin. I'm an English professor in Mississippi. And we
0: are totally psyched to have an extremely special guest with us today, someone that we've been wanting to have on the podcast for a really long time, who we're a huge fan of. Selena Wilkin from Hypeable is here on Metastation. Hi, Selena!
2: Yay! It's me! I hope the audience (laughs) wasn't just like, oh my God, who is it going to (laughs) be? (laughs)
1: <laughs> and then it was just me <laughs> They're like Is it Jason Rothenberg no.
2: Almost as good Actually
1: I think at least as good If not better <laughs>
0: We've already had Jason Rothenberg So like That's not even new That's Jason's old news yeah. <laughs> That's right That's right <laughs> So this episode was Bananas and amazing And like Oh my god insane.
1: Yes. Yeah. And I, got just, I was just increasingly excited as it went on. I got more and more hyped up. I think I, I ended last week's episode on a kind of like frustrated note and so yeah. I, w- I didn't know what to expect coming in and then it just kept getting better and better and then we loved the twist and like I oh loved that twist. I was just yeah. so, it got me like so excited. A lot of it for me was just like it was a sp- it was surprising, you know? It was like this it yeah. was this big thing. It was surprising but it made sense and I, I don't know. I'm just like, I feel reinvigorated. <laughs> Well, you know, my
0: my primary reaction watching this episode, and then again, when I rewatched it and felt even more like even more emotion and even more like heart pumping, even though like I knew what was going to happen, which I think is a sign of a really good episode is it, it's better the second time around, even though you know what's coming, then you're like, this yeah. is a really good episode of television, because then it's not just a sort of artificial shock, sort of jump scare that made it suspenseful. It was because it was tied to all these emotional stakes. But like my primary emotion, I remember watching it both times was thinking, how, happy happy i was about how many things i was wrong about after last episode cuz i was with you like i i left the last episode feeling really grumpy about a lot of like just sort of feeling like what's the point of Ilian? I don't know where Clark's arc is going. I don't know where Octavia's arc is going. I feel like this is just like murder for the sake of murder. I felt like that. Just for me, it was like all the things that i find the most frustrating about this show were sort of crystallized by the end of last episode. And what was so great about this one was for almost every one of those things, what it revealed was that like things I thought were potential annoying inconsistencies actually really were going somewhere the whole time. And, and I think when we go back and watch the whole season, you know, like when, when you're, when we're binging this season on Netflix over the summer, we'll be able to see this is what Octavia's trajectory was. This is what Clark's trajectory was. You know, this is what the whole my people, your people, sort of theme was building too. And that was really exciting. Like, I really, I actually do really love being wrong. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't, I never want, I never oh, yeah, want no, to not too. like this show. I never want to be mad at this show. I mean, I enjoyed it just on its own merits. It as a fantastic piece of television. But I also was like, like Aaron and I were texting, like, our show is back. Like, this is the hundred that we love. This is all the things yeah. we love about this show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I
1: agree. And I I think I said at one point, I can't remember if it was in the Octavia part of the podcast last week or in the Clark part, or maybe both. But I yeah, think I said something yeah, yeah, like yeah. I was losing faith, you know, like I was just, I just, it was kind of losing faith in where they were where they were going, or, or if they knew where they were going, or whatever. And and so like, and my primary emotion watching this episode was like, my faith is being restored. And I was just like, so happy. And, <laughs> and it was because, like you said, Clark, or Clark, <laughs> Claire, not Clark. <laughs> I'm talking about Clark. It was because there are so many things, especially with Clark in particular, where bits that had been niggling at me for a long time that I didn't know what to do with, and I was getting increasingly sort of frustrated by, kind of all came together. And it was like, Okay, this was going somewhere, you know, like faith restored, like this is all gonna pay off. And I, and so like, and that's just so exciting because I want to believe. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like I don't want to yeah. not enjoy my show,
2: but I love that though. I think that's really good because, because I think for me, like I, I mean, as, as you guys know, I've probably been a little bit more optimistic about the season in general, and I certainly haven't, like, felt like I was on the brink of losing faith, but I think you're absolutely right that this episode just has done so much to tie it all together, and I think there's one exception for me, and we'll get to that, and that's maybe Luna, where I feel like that was a little bit of a disappointment for me, but I think almost everything else, I just thought that it clarified some things and settled some niggling worries that I was beginning to have, and... Uh, yeah. And I I know that's, like, not the point of the episode. It was supposed to be this huge, like, big battle, royale, whatever. But but I think it was important <laughs> for it to serve those functions, too.
1: No, I totally I totally agree. And I, I, we can get to this, too, in a minute. I'm, like, super happy with this direction for Octavia. But I, it doesn't, for me, I don't think, resolve some of all of the issues that I had with her arc before. It's more just if this is what they settled on, I'm willing to just kind of, right. like, be like, whatever to the rest of it. And we can get to Luna. But, yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I mean, I think this is where, like, things are coalescing in a way that I didn't foresee. And like, that makes me happy. And honestly, it makes me really, really happy and excited, not just because before what I had felt like I was foreseeing gave me some concerns, but also just because I mean, we do a lot of speculating on this podcast. We like to talk about maybe this could happen maybe this could happen. You know, it can be fun to be right when you're speculating, but honestly, it's like way more fun when you're wrong. You don't
2: want to see it coming. Like you want them to do better than what you thought,
1: you know, like you want them to surprise you. Yeah. Exactly. I love being surprised. The fact that things coalesced, though, this character stuff, you know, and and other things coalesced in this episode in a way that I never saw coming. That makes me so happy. Well, and that was the thing I'm totally agree, like, because the thing that
0: I loved about this was the number of times that I either gasped mm-hmm. out loud, uh, which Ilian, <laughs> oh <laughs> and, and know, even wrong. even the second time when I knew it was coming, <laughs> I gasped when Ilian died again, and I knew it. It was just like, but but I, I but I'm with you, like I I love being surprised. I love and we I think this. I think this something that you said in the last episode, Erin. Maybe I think about Clark, but I think applies in general. Was we were talking about when was the last time this show took a sharp turn that really surprised us, like and it like genuinely like in a in a good way, like pulled the rug out from under us. And the thing the thing that I thought was the most besides the twist ending, the biggest surprise to me in this episode that I loved was I was one of those people who the whole time I was waiting for the battle royale to not fully deliver on its premise. Like, okay, they're saying. Mm-hmm one character, like one person left alive, but really because we know four of these 13. You never thought
2: that was actually no, going to happen. Yeah, no
1: one ever thought that. Everybody was like, oh, well, maybe, you know. like Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. End, maybe this, maybe that. <laughs> bring me their sigils and not
0: bring me their heads on a pike. Right, yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. We were like, there's all sorts of outs that they didn't take. And that, and that's the yes. hundred, you know, like, yeah. like that's, the show that, that in season one, we all thought we were watching one show and then it took that hard turn at the end of episode three and it's totally different. And I was like, so, because I was waiting, I was just like, all right,
0: so it's going to be Octavia and who? She and Roan made the little mini alliance over Luna. And then I was like, maybe it'll be her and Luna. Maybe, you know, her and Ilian, Like all the way throughout, I was thinking like, okay. it's And actually there was a long time where I was kind of like Octavia could die. Wasn't totally ready to take off the table, which I was a little scared about. I think what made the action blood sport craziness part of the battle royale work was that it felt so deeply rooted in character and emotion it wasn't just blood spatter for the sake of blood spatter and it wasn't ascribing supernatural battle abilities to octavia yeah yes. that's yes. like the that thing people so have well been done.
2: saying yeah and i know you yeah. guys have been saying that too that that was like the big worry that she was gonna swoop in and magically have all this power and i think that's one of the things that that the show does really well i think sometimes this Season, it's kind of it kind of sort of goes and says ah, ah we know what you're gonna say but that's yes. not what we're gonna do and I know they did <laughs> yeah, that, that yeah. last week too and I like that more than you guys did <laughs> but this time I feel like it just worked so much better because they it was so organic and it wasn't like on the nose like haha it was more yes. like like she actually they they took into consideration the reality of the character yes
1: and, well, and her watching strengths. it. Yes, agreed. And and well, so maybe let's let's start yes. talking about Octavia now. <laughs> um, <laughs> since we already are. And this is one of those things like you were saying Claire, uh, Claire earlier. I went to Clark like 14 times this podcast and I apologize in advance. I don't know what's wrong with me today but they're just like melting.
0: Sometimes I type my own name as Clark these days and I have to go back and read <laughs> <laughs> (laughs) Or I type Clark as Claire.
1: It's a problem. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, as long as I'm not alone. So you were saying earlier, Claire. (laughs) One of the marks that this is a really, really great episode is that it's as good, if not better, on rewatch than it was the first time. Mm-hmm. Or like as powerful, you know? Mm. And one thing that I really, really noticed on rewatch that, especially with such an ashen-packed episode, you're kind of just always like, oh my God, oh my God, what's going to happen next? You're not really paying attention to all the kind of like little bits happening throughout. But the second time, when I could pay a little bit more attention to that, just like coherence and the nice way in, uh, that they, they sort of constructed Octavia's character arc in this episode around all the little bits of Octavia's past. But also just like... The really delicate touch that they used in doing that. You know, like I really, really appreciated. There were none of those kind of like, did you catch that part? You know, it was like all very, very, very light kind of gentle touches. We got that hug. We got, you know, we got the the moment with her and Indra at the beginning where Indra came to like give her her sword and say, you're my crew. And that was just like, by the way, shout out to Adina Porter, who was was always amazing, but was just like hands down the MVP of this episode I mean she was I agree so much
2: like her obviously all of them but but Adina just there's something about her I've always loved her but especially this season and especially with how Octavia's story is going that just makes me love her so much yeah I was like trying to think of if any character would like their deaths would like genuinely devastate me and I was like if Indra dies like I don't know what I'm gonna do I
1: (laughs) I know I know I'll be so devastated But just, like, the subtlety, I mean, like, and and so much of this is just because Adina Porter is such a phenomenal and skilled actress, but just, like, the ways that we saw in this episode, we got to see simultaneously Indra the warrior and Indra the mother. Yeah. You know, like, we got to see those moments of sort of like love and connection and vulnerability and fear in her face like I thought one of the really powerful things about that scene with Octavia and Indra at in the beginning is that Indra was so clearly mm-hmm. afraid and yeah. like we've never really seen Indra afraid and it was like so it was really really powerful to see like fear and concern in her eyes because she's always just like so tough but I thought that like I thought that was just like a very beautifully done you know scene in terms of just very organic like if it was very much like of course Indra's going to you know talk to Octavia in this moment and, and kind of and, and calling back that, like, you know, like, Octavia's kind of, like, her battle yeah, daughter. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> And oh, Gaia's yeah. her, like, you know, her, like, biological daughter. But even just, like, little other little moments throughout where I think it's really impressive in this episode. And we see the most of this with Octavia because it was kind of her episode in a lot of ways. It's it's really impressive that for all of the action, there were so many, like, huge and, like, powerful but very delicate and carefully done emotional beats. Yes. And so, like, for instance, like I think it's a really, really great sort of choice that we got to see Octavia's reaction to Roan's and, and oh, Bellamy's conversation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But she didn't speak to him afterwards. You know, there was no sort of like pin, they didn't put a pin in it. And I thought another like like really delicate moment, for instance, the conversation that Octavia had with Roan, where Roan kind of repeats to Octavia. Clark's plan, which is like a lovely bit of irony Mm -hmm. that again, they just sort of like, they didn't like, they didn't like pound on it. But like, I think that as the culmination of like, that was a kind of moment where these little moments throughout the first time I didn't notice because I didn't know where it was going. And the second time I really did notice where Indra says, you know, like Indra says, who you fight for is up to you. And the conversation that Octavia and Luna have in their first fight in that argument, in the course of that argument, because Luna is pushing Octavia's buttons, because she's reminding her of Lincoln. It makes Octavia remember like, wait a second. I loved Lincoln because he thought we were all mm. the same. She kind of, like, reminded her of that bit of herself that said that, like, that like she always, had always wanted to kind of, like, reject these boundaries. And then that kind of, like, follows up with Roan and her, and her align with him. So I think they just, like, that kind of progress, we got to, like, take that journey with Octavia. And it didn't have to be verbalized, you know, and it didn't have to be, it could just kind of, like, develop very, I just, I felt like just very organically from the experiences that Octavia was having and, like, the versions of herself that she had to confront as yeah. she was writing yeah. through this, you know? This is why, like, the reason why
0: the the action sequences worked and were, like, exciting and compelling and weren't just sort of, like, murder porn was because everything that happened, like, every single death was part of Octavia's or someone else's, like, emotional trajectory. When you go back and rewatch, like, Roan smashes in a guy's head. And it's like, okay, well, it's, like, it's badass because it's showing us that Roan is badass. But the reason that we're seeing it and, the like, the reason it has to be that... You know, that extra is because Octavia is like, (laughs) Octavia's (laughs) hiding under that little metal box watching it. It's like we had to watch Roan and Luna, who are characters we've come to really enjoy, become truly terrifying. Yes. And I was going to
1: say, like second time watching that, I was like, we had to see, they had to establish that the two, like, most formidable warriors on that battlefield were Roan yes. and Luna. So it was, like, important to establish this kind of, like, Roan can kill all yeah. these people except for Luna with one hand on exactly. his back. Because that is actually plot important. So the gruesomeness
0: was always shown through the lens of somebody watching it, you know, like Bellamy sneaking around the battlefield, watching, you know, like watching Luna fight that guy. That's important because Bellamy had to see that, you know, like Bellamy has to see like all the sort of sneaking around and stuff. And then we have to understand it made it feel realistic that Octavia, like Octavia is a very good fighter. She's incredibly strong and Inda trained her really well. But it established very clearly early on, and it made the stakes really high. Octavia can't defeat these people all by herself. So what I love, like the moment that I just like, my heart just leaped and I was like cheering was when Kane and Bellamy basically told her how to use all of the pieces of who she is to fight like Octavia, instead of the show giving us some like, magically now somehow Octavia has the ability to like defeat you know like the strongest warriors from all the 12 <laughs> fans and you said right. Aaron, when you texted me like last night like she didn't out grounder them she out Octavia'd them which was a twist yes. that I did not see coming and and so, I, so what I loved was that you know you can have like you can have all of these big gruesome actiony slow-mo you know battle sequences and what makes them awesome like what makes them really compelling is that there's an emotional reason for them all to be there and then cutting back in between like this is what Made me with the part that just I think that made the whole thing really sing was after every awesome bloody murdery stabby whatever death thing, then we cut we cut (laughs) back to the throne room and we see them snuff out the candle and we see people like falling into each other and sobbing and weeping like like you realize like every single one of those deaths meant something and that's the piece that I think mm-hmm. is sometimes missing when this show does big like stunts for the sake of stunts or action for the sake of action is that it's just like killing is badass and awesome and like look at Roan stabbing people and being cool and it's like no a whole clan just found out they're all gonna die and we watch the moment of that realization when she comes over with the candle snuffer and so that I think kept us us, like always, in the forefront of our mind was like every single one of these deaths means hundreds of more deaths, and we're watching everybody watch that happen. And that I thought was a beautiful, like another really beautiful. I was just gonna touch. say
2: on that, like I think that that was one of the reasons that I loved the scenes in the throne room. It's it's tough to say anything. I love it the most because I love it all the most. Right. But like, it, part of me loved that the most because I feel like that's something that I have always. I've always inferred this into the grounder society, but I love actually being able to see it, it's that the grounders may want this conclave. Like the grounders may say, you know what? Like we can't share equally among our enemies. We have to settle it this way. We want to know which clan deserves to survive. That's all fine, but that doesn't mean that they don't want to survive and i feel yeah, like that's kind yeah. of like not that that has been said but because it clark has been our point of view character and rowan has been kind of the only one she's she's really interacted with that's the impression that we've kind of not almost like accidentally or like because it hasn't been of- yeah exactly like been given because They just want to fight, like Luna said, like Clark kind of said last week, like she wants to save them all and the grounders just want quote unquote death. But I feel like in this episode, like it really brought home that no, they don't want death. They have their way of doing things, but they actually want to survive just as much as everyone else. And so I think that that really showed... Especially, I mean, obviously, especially through Tree Crew, because that's the ones we know, and that hug yeah. between Gaia and Indra just oh, sort of—that oh, was the moment of <laughs> oh, truth. God. Like, it's one thing to fight to survive; it's another thing to lose. You know,
1: <laughs> it's, I was—I was gonna say, like, that was another moment that I feel like that was a, the the Gaia Indra hug, and actually, that whole little sequence when the Tree Crew warrior mm-hmm. fell. And we he, saw, he was, like, like number first two we, to
2: go. <laughs> yeah, I know, right?
1: Like, whoops. Um, but, like, but I thought it was actually really well. So we saw her watch the first guy die, mm. you know, Gaia. No reaction. Then we will see her watch the tree crew guy fall. And she's, like, hit yeah, with it, yeah. you know? And then she's, yeah. like, she has this really strong emotional reaction. And she goes inside and she embraces her mother, who we know, you know, whom we know that she's been estranged from. And I thought, like, one thing that makes this a really great episode and makes it work so well is that they took the time, like 60 seconds out of this episode where there's so much happening, to give us to like sort of have us go on that, you know, experience those emotions with Gaia. Mm, you know, for a yes. moment, Gaia is our point of view character. And we and we feel, you know, this is the moment. We know her. We know Indra. We needed a way into understanding how the death of each one of these warriors out there is going to feel to the clans that we don't know. And so we got that little bit, you know, we got that with Gaia and Indra and we got to linger with it. You know, we got to watch... Gaia realized it, and we got to watch Indra realize it, and we got to sit there and watch them hug and think like that's a mother who just realized that her daughter's gonna die. Mm-hmm. So I think like that was such it's it's a, it seems like such a small thing, but I think it is so it's almost like it's like a linchpin to the whole thing. Like I think you take that out, it the whole thing doesn't work nearly as well if that moment. Yeah, isn't if you there. Had, if they had cut out the
0: throne room stuff and we had just been like the whole time in the battle, then I then I think it would have felt like the sort of like murder death porn with the show that I don't really enjoy very much because it would just be like this is a cool action sequence. Why am I? Yeah, but I mean, about- I,
1: even if you even if you less go if you even if you left all the other throne room stuff and you took out that Gaia Indra moment, I think it would also not work as well because we needed that like we needed that little sort of like. All right, you're going to feel the gut punch that every single person in that room Mm -hmm. feels when their warrior falls. That's actually kind of like hitting on
2: something that is the hundreds, like almost like its number one strength. And it is in those... Quote unquote small relationships that happen at, at the course of a story. Like they're not the point of a story, but they happen as the story is happening. And I think that's sort of one thing that I, God, I should have written to, waited to write my review because now I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> the angle. but, but that's kind of like. It's okay. Everybody made, will hear
1: this. <laughs> yeah,
2: <laughs> my voice review. Um, that, that, that's kind of what, what made this episode so special. And that kind of helped bring back that quote unquote magic of the show is that. It may have been Octavia's story in some way, but kind of like what you touched on earlier, it was her interacting with all these people who also had arcs and also had emotions and also had agendas. Mm -hmm. And you had those people interacting with other people too. So you had, you know, Bellamy coming into the battle to save... Octavia and he also had an agenda w- with regards to Echo and he had an emotion with her he had m- an emotion with Rowan Rowan and Echo had an emotion Luna and uh Echo no and what's his face Rowan had an emotion um there was all that stuff with with Lincoln that mattered to Luna too Lincoln mattered to Indra Kane and Indra had their moment like there were so many things going on and not just Octavia everyone like a, a spider web, but like or like a spider web, like everyone had interest. With each other, and they all felt emotionally significant. Yes,
1: I, yes, and and like you said, like I think this this episode showcased what when the show is really clicking is one of their great strengths too, which is that you know they remembered that all of these characters yes. have those relationships.
0: That was the thing that really got that got to me was it was everyone's history with every other character was so alive. We got we got this yeah. critical snapshot of, you know, the the history between Luna and Lincoln and Octavia and Lincoln and the fact that they look back on Lincoln with very, having learned very different lessons, you know, and, and it also, yeah. one of the things that I really liked that had, that again was with a really light touch was the, in sort of terms of like connecting it to what's just happened that we understand that one of the sort of results of the whole Science Island medical art isn't just sort of whatever story impact it has on, you know, with Raven or Nightblood or space or whatever. We can go back and relook at it as like what it turned Luna into. What happened to Luna over the course of that journey and how that sort of reflects back. And so Rowan bringing back to Octavia that like he had, he put faith in her and she lied to him and stole the flame, you know, and all these little moments that brought us back to, I mean, things that had just happened, things that happened at the beginning of the season, things that happened, in past seasons, things that happened before the show even started. All of these little moments of the characters' histories. And I think that's what I... And I think Octavia sort of crystallizes that the best because what we, what I really loved about kind of the journey that she goes on is that every piece of Octavia's history, every character and every relationship over the course of the show we've ever seen be important to her played some kind of a role in what mm. happened. You know, like starting with like Aurora. You know, like the way that she was raised yeah. and her relationship with her mom and with ARC society taught her how to be, you know, smart and sneaky and how to hide. And so that became sort of factored into the way that she was fighting, you know, and that it was Bellamy who reminded her of that. You know, Bellamy. And then Bellamy protecting her by, like, figuring out what Echo was doing and going after her. So, like, all of these sort of, you know, like, all the Blake family kind of dynamics. But then even, you know, like, then her relationship with Lincoln, her relationship with Indra. It was, it was to, like, a Octavia Blake, this is your
1: life. You know, like all of
2: the <laughs> different- <laughs> A Christmas Carol. It's what I yeah, said Totally. Yeah, total yeah I, to- I totally, I was
1: like, I was nodding so much when I read yeah. that line in your review, and I was like, it's, it's totally, totally a Christmas, a Christmas Carol. carol. The yeah. Of conclaves past. <laughs> and that, which
0: I, which I love because that's like, that's what keeps it from being about, you know, the thing we were sort of lamenting last time, which is like, you know, like everyone kept talking about this was the episode where it's like, this is like Octavia's big episode, this is the big Octavia thing. And it sort of felt like Okay so is the big deal thing going to be that she like looks hot and puts on some face paint and then and then kill <laughs> and then kills a lot of people in a really badass way And then kills yeah. everyone
1: right Yeah yeah yeah
0: and what I liked instead was that it really became about that we get this moment of, you know, her relationship with her mom, her relationship with Bellamy, her relationship with Kane, her relationship with Indra, her relationship with Lincoln being, like, woven all the way through it. Even Ilian, like, I, you know, I was very kind of like, what's the point of Ilian in the last episode? And I was very emotional about their little moments together because it sort of felt like, you know, like if you look at it as, like, every single one of these interactions, like you said before, it's like... Octavia goes on a journey over this episode and where she starts and where she ends are very different. And Ilian, like all those interactions with him were a huge component of that. So it felt like everything was sort of moving things
1: forward, but it was so tied to... Okay, Claire, to- can, I, can I pause yes. you there? Because I actually, I will say, my one like little sort of note... In Octavia's story, in this episode, where I was like, I don't, I still don't actually know what this was supposed to be doing, was Ilian? Like, I mean, it was, you know, an effective death and it was sad and everything because they, because Chai Hansen and uh, Maria Avgorapoulos are like, great actors and it was you know very affecting but I still am sort of like I don't really I guess I don't really follow so so like I would love to hear for you guys since it if it works for you I would love to hear what how you saw that fitting together
2: well I have a kind of theory on that and I don't actually know if it's accurate or if it's maybe giving Ilian a little bit not enough credit but I always kind of saw Ilian as as Octavia's kind of like stand-in Lincoln and I know that feels terrible to say and I yeah, know he was no, more no no than I, that, I follow but, I'm with you
1: I'm with but you, I yeah, think yeah
2: As in so far as you can say that this character kind of existed for Octavia, which I hate saying that, but I mean it is kind of true. Mm -hmm. It Um, is, yeah. (laughs) I think that he, you know, when we when we saw her, that's where where the the him being on his knees and her pulling the gun to his head kind of comes back into place. That she didn't kill him then; she had her Lincoln moment there, and she didn't do it. Now she gets to sit with him. And give him this mercy death. Like, yeah, she isn't killing him out of hate or or, or self hatred or anything. She's she's killing him as a, as an act of compassion. And she's crying just as she was in that scene. And she's, you know, he's asking him. And I think that gives her some kind of alleviation of the guilt that she maybe felt in relation to, to Lincoln and how traumatic that was for her. Not that this wasn't traumatic, mm. but all things yeah. considered, I think it was a lot more peaceful. And he was asking her to do it and all of those things. And I think, I think for that reason, the peace of death, you know, the mercy of yeah. death is something yeah. that, that Octavia hasn't really gotten to, to do yet. You know, her de- death is violent for her.
1: It teaches her a different relationship to death, I guess, Mm -hmm. because... Well, and also, actually, you know, that makes me think of something else. So, like, Lincoln chose his death, right? He chose to stay behind knowing exactly what would happen to him. Mm -hmm. And that's the kind of peace that Octavia has never accepted about it. You know, like, she blamed Bellamy and she blamed Pike. And, And, like, you know, Pike did create the situation that led to Lincoln sacrificing himself like that and and Bellamy contributed to that and all that kind of stuff. But Octavia kind of like made this direct like you guys killed Lincoln and she skipped over the part where Lincoln actually made a free choice to do that. And so I guess like her being confronted with Ilion saying, you know, insisting, kill me, please. I want you to kill me, you know, like it's a mercy to kill me. Yeah. And, and, him, and him being I'm doing this Echa for my people. It. I'm here for my people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, 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 right. So like yeah. I, that does actually draw some like some deeper parallels that I hadn't thought of befo- about before. And that is important for Octavia because it does kind of, I guess, in a, like a super subtle way, like reframe her relationship with death. So she's able to think of it as something that can be a free choice, which also fits with what she says to Bellamy at the beginning in regards to herself. You know, if I die, I mm-hmm. die.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: She's choosing her death if yeah. he allows her. So, okay, yeah, I, I'm starting to feel better about this. <laughs> For me, so, like, I was, my feeling about Ilion
0: is I still feel, like, I I think maybe this is where you're at too, Erin. I still feel there were a lot of things that were built into his arc from the beginning that I still don't feel, like, paid off. Like, I still don't know what the point of the anti-technology cult was.
1: Well, he had to burn Arcadia so that... Or oh, could be mad at him, so she could almost kill him, but not, but blah, blah, blah. Yeah. <laughs> etc. <cetera. laughs> so we still have a
0: lot of problems with the fact that it felt like for huge chunks of the season, he only existed to be like, hello, I've arrived with some plot exposition. Should I just dump it right here? <laughs> okay, great. You know.
1: <laughs> Please sign for your plot. <laughs> exactly. Yeah.
0: Oh, <laughs> yeah. So like, like, like backing up in a truck and just like dumping a plot device and then like driving away. <laughs> So this, so I will say, so this episode does not retroactively fix that.
2: No. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: What it did fix for me was was I felt something about about him yes. and about their their connection to each other and I also think it was really important the I think the most key thing in that moment that happened was this was the best possible way for us to feel like viscerally feel a gut punch of the stakes of echo cheating
2: Oh yeah yeah, yeah that's
0: okay. a very good point Alien did not die with honor in a warrior's mm. death like everyone else in the battle royale was supposed to like he was he was shot by somebody who was cheating and then got mercy killed by octavia so i think octavia didn't know i think in that moment that that was echo because she was she was disguised as somebody else but so but for us to have that moment of realizing you know we see random red shirt fall by an arrow we watch bellamy put this together we watch him and kane hatch this plan so like we know that this is a, a factor that is in play but the the sort of the shock of Ilian and Octavia keep having like he he wants to reach out to her he keeps saying like other clans are forming alliances he refuses to be her enemy I think for her having somebody who is like I don't care what happens I'm not gonna fight you like I know we're all here to fight each other we're all here to murder each other and I will do that with everybody else but like I'm not like whatever you do however hard you push me however like whatever choice you make I refuse to put myself in the position to be your enemy. And what I loved was it felt like for a second, you're like, is she considering it? Is she thinking about like, okay, what if they're the two last like left standing? Is there any kind of a possibility for, you know, like maybe she doesn't have to watch this person that she obviously cares about to some degree, you know, even if she's not like in love with him, watch him die. And then bam, that choice is completely taken away from her. And because Echo is not playing by the rules of like the honor of the conclave. I think for us to really feel how in danger Octavia is, like how big of a transgression this is, somebody that we care about had to die from what Echo was doing. That's a very good point too, yeah. And so I feel like the fact that it was Illion, the moment where it happened, the way it played out, I thought was really was really lovely. And especially coming on the heels of, you know, one of the other things that I really liked about the big battle sequences that Octavia was in is that, you know, so the only two people that she killed without help were... Ilian and Luna. Yeah. Yeah. And every other big, like, battle sequence that she was in, she either injured somebody and then fled and hid in a very, like, Octavia move, or, or somebody else she was teaming up with was doing the heavy lifting. Mm-hmm. So I think the two deaths that she did cause... I think it was important that those be like emotionally significant, you know, that she wasn't just walking around like lopping the heads off of Sangeta crew red shirt guy. Yeah,
1: yeah, I know, I agree. And I was thinking actually, I was thinking about something that you said in your review, Selena, which like made me tear up, <laughs> was also that, you know, how important it was in this episode for the kind of emotional state that Octavia has been in for most of this season and like basically the second half of last season where she's been kind of like pushing people away as much as she can and and just mm-hmm. kind of like angry and and whatever. That one big thing in this episode for Octavia was having people refuse to be pushed away. You know mm-hmm. that she she had continually had these people who would come up to her and kind of reaffirm that she mattered to them and that they cared for her. Yeah, you know Bellamy. I think was more indirect because you know the affirmation was really something that she overheard, which I love, and I think that was the right way to do that. But Ilian was the kind of the one, the more the most direct version of that. Yeah, where you know she kept saying like we're supposed to be enemies, and he was like, "What if I just say no? We're not. How about that? What (laughs) if I just? What if I just refuse?" And she was
2: (laughs) like, "I'm not the girl you want me to be." And he was like, "I mean, he didn't say that's not what this is about, but that's basically what he said. Like, I, I don't care." Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. you don't get to say that and push me away because that's not what this is about.
1: And I think the 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 implication there too was do you really know who he wants you to be, Octavia? Mm-hmm. You know, like Good you point. don't you you're not the girl that you want you to be maybe mm-hmm. or think that people want you to be. But like it's clear that he, you know, at least in this episode like I don't I don't think it, there was anyone in particular that Ilian wanted. Octavia yeah, to be he right, just like exactly. cared about her she was just you know? Octavia
2: like right, he didn't yeah. know the girl she was before she was like Skyripper or whatever right and I think that was really important that she could be if not loved then at least cared for even even at her darkest
1: yeah, which was—I yes.
2: mean, let's be real—that's not like that's very fictional. <laughs> that but it's still—it's still good for this story. It's actually kind of funny. I was just—I don't know if you guys have seen the second uh, Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Yet, not yet. I just no. To see it the other day. no spoilers, but there's like a very like similar plot where like one of the characters is literally like, I keep pushing people away, but it turns out that they love me anyway, or like something
1: dumb like that. <laughs> yeah. And I was just yeah, like, yeah.
2: oh, that's like yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and but I mean like and, and you know, obviously <laughs> it's the hundred, so like things are at a very extreme level. But I think there's, you know, there's some kind of core truth to that. Like, sometimes yeah. when you're in a really dark place and you're not being who you want to be or who you should be or doing, like, messed up stuff. Like, sometimes mm-hmm. you do just need one person who's going to be kind to you no matter what, you know? And a lot of the time, like with Ilian, that person really can't be somebody, you know, someone that you're close to, like, your family or close friends mm-hmm. because it's too... Like, you need it to be kind of someone that you don't know as well because there's more... I think there's more room in that kind of relationship for them to just be like, I accept you as you are, you know? But, yeah. like, but that can be the difference, I think, if you're really, really... If, like, if you're in a really dark place... The difference can be like having a person who's just kind to you because they're going to be kind. Yeah. Who's just going to accept you and say like, okay, but you're worthy of love anyway, or at least of caring Mm -hmm. no Mm -hmm. matter what versus not having that. So I think there's like some really important kind of, there's something really kind of like real and true, I think there that, that makes me emotional. (laughs) (laughs) What I loved about all of this was like,
0: you know, the end when Octavia says, to the room to everyone in the throne room that like when she started out, she was sort of more fighting for herself. Like she kind of was more mm-hmm. like, fuck it, I don't really care if I die or not. Here's a mm-hmm. thing that I can I do just to want be a warriors useful. death. I want a warriors yeah, death. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and so it wasn't even really kind of self-sacrificial gesture for their own people that everyone else was making. Like she wasn't in it yeah. for the reason that Ilian was in it or that Roan even was in it. She was in it In a way, kind of more like Luna, which is just like, this is a fight that I belong in because this is this is what I this is what I think is who I am and and what I what I do. And so so when she kind of says like she kind of came into thinking like she was doing this. For her, mm-hmm. and and what I really- and almost
1: like seeking oblivion,
0: you know. Yeah, like, yeah, well, yeah. If yeah. I die, then at least it's over. Yeah, you walking know, <laughs> into the
2: black rain. This was a lot like that, exactly.
0: Yeah, yeah. like she, yeah. she starts off the fight, the like sort of similar place with the black rain, the same place she was in when she like murdered Ankara and all the Trishana crew people on Aliens Farm. Like she starts off the episode as that Octavia, and I think what what hooks her back into being the best version of Octavia by the end of it is that sort of that parade of like every single person who's ever meant something to her reminding her that they've all seen the terrible things that she's done they all know like Mm -hmm. all the worst parts of her like Mm -hmm. all of that was public Mm -hmm. and they're still they're still there you know like Bellamy is still her brother and she still listened to him you know like I finally got the Tavia hug I've been waiting three seasons (laughs) for
1: dad pain Uh, oh yeah uh, I love it, it so was,
0: much. It was so lovely. <laughs> it was perfect, and it was just like you know, like him trying to like sneak in some like last minute dad advice, you know, like like yeah. like this this one's left handed, so go for the weekend and do that, you know, and and then he's watching such a
2: soccer dad too. Like he,
0: he really he's a is. Soccer dad, yeah. oh, <laughs> he's leg. <laughs> oh my heart. Uh, I felt so much, but i but I what I loved was that, like you guys said, like it my one of the things that I felt really frustrated by in the last episode when we talked about Octavia was that I felt like to me, the sort of least interesting aspect of her personality is her murderiness, like I'm way more interested <laughs> right. in her relationships and in the impact that her choices have on the people that we care about. And so sort of sequestering her in this storyline where her two great loves were murder and making terrible decisions and she only hung out with <laughs> with, with Ilian and Helios and everyone yeah. else was gone. I was kind of like, why am I supposed to care about this? And this really brought all of that back where we saw, you know, like Kane's face when she walks back into the end and she isn't dead, you know, and mm. Indra tearing up as she gives her the sword. Like all of these little moments sort of remind us that Octavia is anchored to all of these people. And so it makes her decision at the end to choose saving everybody over saving just Sky Crew. Like, I, I sort of had a sense like, okay, somebody somewhere is going to say, let's float the bunker and share it evenly. And it actually never occurred to me that it would be Octavia because it feels like that's a, mm. that's a really kind of magnanimous leadership choice. From somebody like right. her. But when we got there, it felt so organic.
1: And I think, you know, why that moment, like, really resonated and worked for me in a way that I don't think it ever would have worked with from, like, Clark, is because it wasn't a magnanimous leadership moment. That wasn't Octavia standing there being like, I am now your commander, and I say, we are all one people because I care for you. You know, like, it was because it was just so deeply was because she's all personal. people. Exactly. Right, exactly.
2: Yes. Like she's not rising above them she literally is all of them and I think that's kind of like another aspect of this episode that worked so well and sort of took the episode and took her arc above that sort of like what could have been a much Mm -hmm. more cheesy story is that she wasn't just there was definitely an aspect of her realizing that all of these people cared about her but I think what she was also doing as she was going along in this battle was that she was literally picking up pieces of other people like those yeah those necklace things oh, like the yeah. sigils kind yeah. of was like a physical representation of how every time she had a new encounter she took something from that person like whether obviously it was like advice or whatever but like from Ilion she took that goodness yeah. That he embodied and from Luna she took something else and from, from Rowan she took him saying, we are one clan. And, and she kind of, she picked up pieces of all of the people so that when she got to the throne room, she wasn't Octavia come sky crew and she wasn't Octavia tree crew. She wasn't Octavia the loner. She was Octavia plus, you know, she was Octavia plus Mm -hmm. Ilian plus Rowan plus Bellamy plus Indra plus Kane. And she was looking out over all these people and it was just, she couldn't claim allegiance to one people because she was all of them you Yeah, know no, she was I kind agree. of like born in some like not to make it too cheesy but she was like kind of like born of all of the others deaths and she was she had she hadn't like beaten them she had absorbed them <laughs> this, this metaphor ran away from me but you know what i mean
1: <laughs> that's really well put yeah you know and i agree and i was thinking about it, you know as we were talking that that the amazing thing about octavia's arc here and i think why it works so well is that this is like this crazy bloodbath battle royale. Everyone dies. And and yet somehow Octavia's arc is she goes from nihilism mm-hmm. to like this really, really deep but genuine love for humanity. Yeah. yeah. I think like what it did is like, like you know, it, in, in this kind of ironic way or this unexpected way, this horrible experience, everyone dying around her, struggling to survive, all that kind of stuff. Like, you know, that's a moment that really whittles you down to your core and makes you face what you really truly believe. And that's what Octavia did. You know, so like that conversation, Mm -hmm. that that first conversation she had with Luna, (laughs) let's say this is the actual Hunger Games. And uh, what's his name? Caesar Flickerman, Um, you know, (laughs) was interviewing Octavia, the tribute from Sky Crew about herself (laughs) before the Hunger (laughs) Games. If you imagined, you know, the interviewer bringing up Lincoln to her in an interview before this began, her answer about Lincoln, I think, would have been completely different then the answer that she gave Luna. And I think like before this started, I don't think that Octavia would have said that she believed what she really, truly believed. But it was like through this experience, through that mm-hmm. confrontation with Luna, that she was forced to rearticulate to Luna's challenge, Lincoln believed this. And I loved him for that. He thought we yeah, were right. we were all equal. He thought we were all all people, you know, were worthy. And that's what I loved him for. I think that was a kind of a moment of her realizing oh, right. Like, okay, that's why I love Lincoln. You know, it's like mm-hmm. that piece of you know, Lincoln came back to her. Same thing with like Bellamy. I think mm-hmm. she's sort of like, it's not that she ever stopped loving Bellamy, but it was so buried so deep and now it came back. And so I think like part of it is just sort of, it's like Octavia plus, but then also in some ways, it's Octavia like with all of this other stuff washed away, the Octavia that she's sort of able to come back to her core self, which is that girl who does just want to reject like, look, it doesn't have to be like this, you know, like I can love Bellamy and I can love Lincoln. And Bellamy might not think that's possible in season one, you know? And, like, Lincoln might say that these people will never accept me in other seasons, but, like... Octavia was always going to be the one who was going to say like uh uh-uh, uh that's bullshit. You know, like mm-hmm. I can love everyone.
2: Yeah, and that's why she's the only one who could do this. And that's yes. why she's the only one who could have, have this outcome. And that's why it was so interesting to have her sort of take Clark's role from last week and do it right. Yes. You know, yeah, because yes. Clark was just trying to to force them. You know, she was trying yes. to to do make them do a thing she she they didn't want to do and Octavia was was literally like, she doesn't, she, she's the one who's quote unquote transcended tribalism. Yeah, yeah. she's right, the exactly. one who's yeah, <laughs> given a crap about tribalism because she's lived under the floor her whole life, you know? Like, yeah, family right, exactly. is something that she makes, she doesn't care.
1: Right. I love and that. Yeah. You know, like, I, I think that's a, that's a good way of putting it, Selena, because I think maybe that's the difference is that, you know, Clark was looking at it like it was kind of like coming from a top down sort of thing. Like, mm. OK, this is right. You're going to do this. And Octavia is just like she looks around in that room and she looks at all of those people and she's like, all of you, we are all family. Yeah. Like mm. what? And I think like that was a lovely callback too, in a very subtle way, very delicate, you know, callback to she's absorbed and is transforming the thing that Indra said to her at the beginning because, they, you know, when Indra came to her, she says, what are you doing here? You're tree crew. If I win, your people die. And Indra said, you are my people. And I think this oh, is yeah. that kind of like nugget oh. of like, that was a reminder of Indra saying to Octavia, like, your crew isn't your tribe, quote unquote. Yeah. It's the people that you feel connected to. Right. And so like Octavia was able to take that and sort of expand it and say like, look, I feel connected to every, to all of you. I
0: think the the arc of Octavia's primary sort of emotional state stopped being about Lincoln's death and became about Lincoln's life. Like it became about yes, the person that he was and and the things that he taught her and like so it felt like the season 1 Octavia who was always the person who her her stubbornness like being used like for good you know her stubbornness being yeah. for like how can we like help people and do the right thing and um and not killing you know not wanting everyone to take mm-hmm. guns mm-hmm. not wanting the delinquents to kill the grounders not wanting to believe that they were enemies and and so like that piece of her that she lost when you know she decided to become a grounder and she decided you know that being a warrior was going to give her some sense of her identity and then Lincoln died and being angry over Lincoln's death sort of became her identity and I think that the transformation that happened here within this episode sort of created a new version of her with all those pieces sort of wrapped together this the same way that like what I loved about the Black Rain episode with Kane's arc was that it gave us like season one Kane and season two Kane and season three Kane and season four Kane (laughs) coalesced into one person yeah you know in that moment where like he's being bellamy's dad and bellamy's like you floated my mom and kane realizes that the person that he was back then he still is that person and i think that this episode did that for octavia which is that like all of the different pieces of who she was and all the different things that have happened to her sort of like revealed this core self but i really think that it became about like she hasn't been able to grieve for lincoln or or remember lincoln in a way where we've seen her at all since he died think about the person that he was yeah, yeah. and and luna like she had like on on luna's rig there was like little bits of that and like like tiny little flashes but she just wasn't ready you know and i think that this sort of brought her back to a place where her relationship with him stopped being about you know like avenging his death or stopped being about this kind of dark, but it wasn't nihilist- about what
2: she'd lost, was it? Yeah. Like, it had been yeah. so much about what she'd lost and this was about what he had taught her yeah, that yeah. she could gain.
1: Yeah. We started out with the Blake's in that room talking to each other so I was already like oh boy <laughs> this is gonna be emotional but like the first moment where I really felt like I had gotten kicked in the heart <laughs> was when uh, Indra pointed out that Octavia's face paint was Lincoln's tattoo mm-hmm. yeah and I think like you know it's one of those things that like when she, when she put it on at the beginning it seemed to sort of it, you know, it was like a memento mori you mm-hmm. know it was like a reminder of his death as her motivator yeah. Yeah. but I think like the great thing is that that transformed by the end like you said to not being a reminder of his death but a reminder of the part of him what that he she carries for. inside for her. Yeah. Right. Like the part of him that will always be a part of her. Yeah. And the part of him, you know, the part of his life that was really important. And I think since Lincoln died, since the middle of season three, and this I think kind of to bring it down a little bit in terms of like remaining gripes or whatever. Since the middle of season three, I think Octavia has been trapped in the trauma of Lincoln's death. You know, she hasn't been mm. able to get past the moment when she saw him die, which is like, I mean, on the one hand, that is like, if I saw my husband get shot in the head in front of me, I would not be able to move past that for mm. a very long time. So like on the one hand, completely legit. Yeah. On the other hand, it has been a really long time, you know, show wise, like it's basically like an entire season that she's been locked in this and um, and that we, we've we kind of been locked in it with her. And so I think like I absolutely love what they did with this with Octavia in this episode. Like, this was an amazing single episode arc. It's like set her on a path that I just, that I'm totally down with. You know, if I have any remaining sort of, I still don't know how I feel about, you know, the pacing of what's led up to it or like exactly the kind of like weirdness of the middle of the season, Octavia. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think that this retrospectively fixes that. It does a lot. You know, like, I think rewatching it, it'll be a lot easier going through those episodes and thinking like, okay, but I know where this is going. You know, so I think it does change it somewhat. I don't think it totally fixes it, but it does. But, you know, like, hey, knowing this is where we're going, I feel a lot better. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: And I think... And I think that sort of like speaks to something that is a little bit... that we don't have to spend a lot of time on because we know we're like <laughs> so much to talk about still. I know, right? <laughs> like it it's something that I think this season has, I've noticed, has done a little bit differently from previous seasons is that each individual episode is a lot more standalone and there's yeah. a little bit less of a connection between... Like I feel like in previous seasons... I couldn't tell who had written which episode. Like I know some people could, I couldn't. I was just like, this is one long story and I could be, I know where I am in the season, but I don't know like (laughs) exactly what episode this is because it was so coherent. And I feel like this episode, as I've gotten, or the season, as I've gotten each episode, I have loved that episode. And that includes the ones that have sort of, had Octavia, like, you know, the one where she almost kind of died and then she didn't yeah, yeah, and she slept with yeah. Ilion and all of that, but 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 they haven't been connecting overall. And like you said, this episode yeah. does a lot to tie that up, but I still think there is sort of a little bit of an underlying change in the way that the show is done. I kind of I kind of miss the old, more rigid, more cohesive version of the story because I am still left thinking, well, why did she have to have that Aragon moment like why is right, exactly. right, that not right, spent right. on something else because it had no it doesn't that seem had no to have no yeah. purpose it was just so huge for no real reason because this was yeah. her Aragon moment you know this was her rising yes. from the ashes not yeah. like whatever that was so
1: it yeah. is a shame
2: I think it is a little bit of a shame because we know that the show usually is so very good at remembering its own history and making everything matter
1: yeah I, I would agree with that. And I think that I, I think that's actually a really good way of putting it that within individual episodes, things will have stakes that are then mm. don't carry over to the next episode or that will yeah. appear to be building up stakes and be big things that are kind of undercut immediately after. And I think like Octavia is maybe the sort of, she's got maybe the, maybe the most of those moments, but it also carries over into things like. Arcadia burning, you know, yeah, which yeah. is one of those things where, like, it was huge at the end of one episode and then it picks up at the next and you're kind of like, oh, um, so well, that was not Arcadia as big a deal. kind of there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, actually, it looks basically fine. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so they haven't been... Excuse me. They haven't. They haven't sort of like carried through on the full repercussions of things like quote unquote seemingly big things that happen yeah. in the way they used to. And I think like thinking about like season one. I think like one of the great strengths of season one is that, and this is true in season two, I think. Um, but I like for some reason, season one is in my head. Is that the story and conflict from one episode to another in season one is basically continuous?
2: Yeah. They basically pick up conversations from episode to episode.
1: Exactly, and like, and they pick up conversations. Like, it ended on like, okay, this thing happened, which is going to mean X, Y, and Z. And the beginning of the next episode is like, all right, X, Y, and Z is happening. So now we have to like deal with it. That tightness was like so satisfying, and it was true for characters, and it for the most part, it was true for plot. And I think that's maybe the thing that's kind of missing. This the season, which has kind of produced this weird thing where it feels like there's been a whole lot of, like, anti-climaxes, like, things that were supposed mm-hmm. to be climaxes have wind up being anti-climaxes because like the Aragorn moment, which seems huge, yeah, yeah, should have been a climax, sort of retrospectively becomes something of an anti-climax because, like, it's apparently totally irrelevant, like, an episode later.
0: Well, it's it's the same yeah. thing as, like, I mean, that, like, that and Arcadia Burning, and I think, and I suspect at least some elements of the Science Island story, like, they, yeah. in in hindsight they were so transparently just moving chess pieces around the board that they don't have any like emotional weight where it's like okay so I had to do x to make y happen to get everyone in the right place so that z can happen so that then we can do this this episode like you guys said like it doesn't it doesn't retroactively go back and fix the fact that the structure still had a lot of big dramatic huge thing that wasn't really tied to anything emotionally i do feel like it's it's taking the shape that it feels like it's taking to me is i suspect and and hope like when we go back and look at the whole arc it'll be like a really strong beginning third and a really strong ending third and then mm-hmm, a middle mm-hmm. that was kind of squishy with a lot of these sort well, of like plot had a outs. lot
2: of individual things that were great and i think that's why like like i've kind yeah. of been saying how i'm like kind of okay with the hundred kind of offing a bunch of characters now even though I love them because yeah there hasn't been room for everyone but the middle has focused very heavily on Raven and and Murphy and Bellamy and a couple Mm. of other characters that I feel I feel like the middle was for them almost yeah 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 some other characters have been kind of stagnant and I think and whenever we talk about Luna that's kind of part of my issue with her is that we could have literally left her in a lie guarded when I mean I know we needed her for the Nightblood, but in theory... She had yeah. the same exact attitude that she had in this episode. And then we saw her kind of, kind of flip-flop a little bit with Murphy and Raven. And, and, you know, I give myself to the creepy miracle of, <laughs> <whatever I said. laughs> but all that. And that was good. And I would not trade that for anything. But at the same time, yeah. it kind of didn't really need to happen, you know? And, and, right. so I mean, I, it's,
1: she's got a smaller, or I guess like because, because her character is more minor, a smaller version of, I mean, I had the same, you know, sort of issue with Octavia a little bit, bit where I was like, well, if she fell off the cliff and we didn't know she and like didn't come back mm. until she rode into Polis, like... Mm-hmm. Yeah, do we? She didn't really change in there particularly. Right. I mean, like we needed Ilion, and it turns out that the relationship with Ilion is important for a bunch of things in this episode. But it's one of those things where it's like, so like you know, that's one thing where I'm like, okay, I do understand why the Ilion kind of like, role. But you imp- could have used that stuff with Abby, you know? Like, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Like there are like, other people you could have done that with. <laughs> I also feel a little yeah. bit with Ilion still, and I don't know how how you guys feel. And I'm this is a kind of like gut level thing that I don't. I'm not even sure yet that I can articulate what exactly it is but there's something like there's something that doesn't sit totally great with me about octavia and ilian's relationship being sexual yeah Hmm. i don't they didn't need to sleep together for any of that stuff to happen and i Mm -hmm. feel like it's not that i'm sort of like that their decision to make that happen is bad or anything like that it's more just like a kind of, I don't know. I, I just feel a little yeah. bit sort of like it felt gratuitous, you know?
0: Yeah. I No, I yeah. feel I feel the same
1: way because it didn't end up, he didn't turn into a love interest. It almost feels like cheating, you know, because what they needed him, they needed him to like care a lot about her and they needed to have a close relationship, but they didn't really give a whole lot of time to really, like there was one episode basically that showed them kind of like forming a, an emotional connection. The last episode they had like basically no emotional connection. Right. Them in bed, the sexual connection seemed to be shorthand for now they care a lot about each other. And maybe that's the thing that bugs me is feeling like they use the fact that it became sexual to kind of like speed it up. I don't know. I, yeah, I don't know.
2: I disagree with that a little bit okay. and not necessarily, you guys are not necessarily wrong, but I think for me, I always read it as just Octavia needing to be quote unquote physical in a way that wasn't murder. You know, like Mm. for me, it was kind of, and I know it's like a little bit heavy handed. He's a lover, not a fighter. Like, but I think that's what it was. Like they literally got naked together, you know, like she was vulnerable in a way that I don't think she would have been if this had been like a friendship, you know. Mm
1: -hmm. That's totally legit. I think, and that's, that's completely fair. Like I said, I I don't actually know that my like weird, like gut thing is Mm. like rational at all. (laughs) It's just there. For me, what it reminds
0: me of is one of my issues with in season three with Gina dying in Mount Weather, which is like, does the show not trust that we would believe? that Bellamy would be incredibly motivated to like seek vengeance and be totally distraught about the loss of his people and their food stores and all those other things that are like, it's not as sexy and dramatic as like his girlfriend died, but like a deeper and more nuanced understanding of the character is like, wouldn't, don't you trust us to understand Bellamy enough to know that Bellamy would be appalled to have accidentally been the cause of those people's deaths? And I think for this, do the writers not trust us enough to believe that we would believe that... Octavia befriending somebody and then having to mercy kill him would take her on the same journey. And it does sometimes feel like they use sex as like as shorthand. Mm -hmm. Like we definitely know the audience will get it if this is about somebody that you've dated or slept with. And we don't totally trust that you will get where we're going if it's like a relationship that is platonic.
2: Yeah, I get that. You feel a little bit
1: talked down to, maybe like a little bit. Yeah, higher. yeah. And I'm and I'm on the fence because I do see your point, Selena. I mean, I yeah, think, yeah, yeah. I think there is like a legitimate piece there that is just like Octavia needing physical comfort because she's not like available or open enough, really, for actual emotional comfort. You know, mm. like she wouldn't yeah. accept you know, she's not going to open up that way to Ilian So kind of like the only way that she can be vulnerable is physically. So I do get that that's a part of it and that does fit with her character. And so this is why I'm kind of like on the fence with it a little bit. Mm. It is a significant step in her grieving
0: Lincoln that she moved forward enough, even even if it began for sort of unhealthy, make me feel something else kinds of reasons, like Moving on enough to be able to sleep with somebody else and to be able to even that tiniest little bit let somebody else in, even if it wasn't all the way and even if it was sort of wrapped in all of this other kind of dark stuff that she was going on. Like Ilian being a step in Octavia's journey of grieving Lincoln in a way that is constructive instead of destructive. You know, I think it didn't start out that way, but I think it did help sort of move her that direction.
1: Yeah, for sure. Okay, but what about this? <laughs> so they dropped in last week the re- the um, reincarnation thing with Ilian, right? Mm-hmm. And so Octavia's
2: pregnant, and exactly. Her baby. That's what I was gonna say, and her no. baby.
1: <laughs> I was like, what if this is a setup for Octavia to be pregnant? With aliens, baby. Uh, <laughs> or Lincoln's. I, I don't hope know, but not. It, I hope not, too. <laughs> She's still 16. Yeah, I know, I know. And I honestly think that this is not a show that will ever have a pregnancy storyline because it's just yeah. like... I don't know how you would even do I mean, that it on the show. It would only yeah. be Abby. Like,
2: I'm, ser- I'm And I know yeah, yeah, that yeah. that's, like, getting to be maybe a little bit of a pipe dream. But I really feel like the only one they would make pregnant
1: on the show is Abby. I agree. I, agree. I am still rooting for it. <laughs> we still haven't seen a brain
0: scan. We still don't know that whatever was wrong with Abby is the same thing that Raven had because the show has not mentioned it ever since then. So I'm, like, I'm holding on to cabbie baby theory until it is proven otherwise <laughs> with a fucking brain scan. I'm... I am riding this train to the end of will the station. Reveal, like a second
1: brain, <laughs> Claire's a Claire's a cabbie baby truther. I am until I am. they like until they you know even if they give you a brain scan you'll be like okay but that wasn't a pregnancy test and a be pregnancy test. Yeah. And you'll be like well sometimes pregnancy tests are wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about Luna. Let's talk about yeah, Luna. yeah
0: yeah yeah okay so here's my thing about Luna that I I really liked but. My sort of I guess one reservation that I wish they had developed a little bit more deeply was it felt like the I, I loved sort of like dark nihilist villain Luna. And I feel like it's one of those things where you can, if you try really hard, map like reverse engineer backwards all the steps of how she mm-hmm. got there. Mm-hmm. But I but I do wish in hindsight, if this is where they were taking Luna. That that some of that had been planted a little bit more in detail earlier. Otherwise, it looks like yeah. this character that we have come to know as like the ultimate, like the ultimate pacifist, like totally unyielding in her beliefs and and like this sort of perfect foil to Sky Crew because she basically is like, nope, I have this rigid and unyielding right and wrong. And I like, I really like this sort of reveal that that some of that was a story Luna was telling herself to deal with her Mm -hmm. own inner demons and her own inner darkness and her own kind of fear and disgust at the fact that what the conclave really did for her was kind of revealed to her who she was, who she really was, and that's what she ran from. Like, I love that Mm -hmm. twist, but it also did feel like that was a lot of exposition for her to deliver in that room <laughs> as she's coming to kill Octavia. So, like, I like this shape of that. I like the idea that that's who she is. I think it's more interesting, like, that that it she has that kind of, like, darkness to her. But it also was sort of like, well, that's
2: new. Right. And I think that's, for me, the issue, and I'm really trying to articulate it because I do feel like it makes sense on paper, but I think what Mm. my issue is, is that Luna had two modes. She had ultimate peace, you know, goddess of the sea fairy, (laughs) and she had (laughs) villain, evil, humanity must die, like angel and jealous kind of juxtaposition, and I know that's not... What she had, but, but that's just because of the way that they had her story and the way that they had her sort of weaving in and out of, of the different stories and the people that they had her interacting with. That's kind of what it felt like. And that made it a little bit less elegant than I feel like it could have been. Because again, her coming in as like this angel of death going humanity is awful it must, like, the best thing we can do is to just, like, just end this madness, like, part of me even agrees with that, I'm like, yeah. he, she's right, like, yeah. you know, humans are awful, and she's right that they are spending their their last days fighting, and that is a, a, a you know, fundamentally destructive thing to do, but it just wasn't the Luna like like it was kind of she was going back and forth and that's again what I meant like we saw this Luna in 404 mm-hmm. but the episode before that we saw the good Luna and then in the episode after that we saw the good Luna that was helping Raven and helping Murphy and all of that and and the nuance of that I just think wasn't clear enough and yeah and I think the the last thing that 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 I think really brought that home for me was when Octavia said, which should have been a really good line, but it just didn't really hit with me, was when she said, "You know, there are people worth saving, just not you." Yeah, and that, I know she hadn't. I know she hadn't yeah. been on Science Island. I know that she didn't like from her perspective that was true, but for the show to have that be the last thing that that was said to Luna. I thought it was unfair to her character because that wasn't all she was. Yeah. Yeah, no,
1: I agree. I agree. Like, I thought, I actually feel like... I'm sort of annoyed with that line a little bit because I feel like if you took out that line, it would work a lot better. You know, like I was one of those ones where I'm like, "Am I really supposed to believe that? Because that doesn't actually seem to be true." You know, she could just
2: have said something like, "There are people like I still believe in the goodness of people." I think you are wrong. Like that's all she had to say. Or
1: just stop with "There are still people worth saving" and don't add "You're not one of them." You know, just leave it at that. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, because we understand that she has to kill Luna in order to save everyone else. Like she doesn't. I think maybe they... I don't know. I think maybe it was supposed to be, like... That's supposed to justify Octavia killing Luna, but we she didn't need that justification. Mm-mm.
2: Because Luna wasn't a monster. Like, in a way, yeah, she did yeah. get into her darkness, and I do like that, but again, that wasn't all that Luna was. She wasn't exactly. actually like an evil vampire, you know? <laughs> right, right.
1: Yeah. Her story, I think, should be a tragedy, you know? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Instead of... It shouldn't be about her being a monster. It should be about mm-hmm. her life being a tragedy. And I think, like, actually, you know, interestingly... I don't know if this is intentional, but I think like Luna is sort of, I think that that story that she told about herself and the way that she sees herself and, and kind of like, it's really interesting. I think that the thing that she's saying, you know, her point is, is her sort of final point is like, she realized that if it was her and her brother, it was down to her and her brother in that arena, she would kill her brother. And that's why she thinks she believes that she is the darkness, you know, that the (laughs) darkness is inherent to humanity. And like what she's saying is like, she's facing like, she has a survival instinct, like Harper, like she, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. To yeah. It, she wants to live and she sort of like, she frames that, she interprets that as being evil. The desire to live, her desire to live is like that sort of, that is inherently bad. And I think, like, I think that's really interesting. I, you know, I, mm-hmm. I don't agree with it, but I think it's like one of those things where it's like, I could see how you would arrive there. And it does raise a lot of questions, you know, and especially as a kind of like implicit foil to Clark who on the other side is sort of embracing her this kind of like villain role on the idea that that any people surviving ever is better than no one, so therefore anything is justified. I think that's really interesting. But like if you think about Luna, you know, how she arrived at this point, she's thinking about this because she, when she was a child, you know, like some nightblood scout came to her village and discovered that she and her brother had this like by apparent genetic random chance had night blood <laughs> so they were taken away from their home and they were taken to polis and they were trained to be warriors and they were trained to kill each other and when the time came she killed her brother and like and so that destroyed her and so like i think the th- the thing that i'm most interested in with luna that i'm sort of there's a lot of things i'm disappointed we never got with her but one thing that i think that's like so interesting that's really implicit there that i don't think we'll ever get is like luna embodies a really kind of like cutting critique Of the commander cult. Yeah. um, yeah, And of this religion. Because like what we see in Luna. Especially as she ends this way. This Luna. I mean like she is who she is in this conclave. Because of the trauma that she experienced, because she was taken away from her home as a child, Mm -hmm. and taught to kill, and made to kill her brother, and made to face this thing inside of her that I think almost everyone has, you know, like if push comes to shove, Mm -hmm. she even said that too, yeah, exactly. Um, like she thinks that's evil because of the experience that she's had, because because she's a nightblood, you know, because like because of this culture and what it made it turned her into. I think that's a really really interesting perspective on that part of grounder culture that has always been implicit in it and implicit in Luna, but is never, we've never really gotten to like confront and grapple with. And I kind of wish that we had, and I don't think the show ever will, probably because of Lexa. I think that would be a really iffy thing for them to be like, Mm -hmm. maybe Mm -hmm. commander, the whole commander system is evil. (laughs) (laughs) I think there's something really, really interesting in thinking about that, you know, like if Luna is a monster. She herself, individually, is not a monster. She's the product of a monstrous system. Right. Yeah, yeah right. exactly.
2: She's like Black Widow in a lot of
1: ways. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. And, like, like, like that's in, actually in a lot the best of ways, comparison. Actually, yeah. In yeah. so many ways. Like, as a mm-hmm. child, stolen, programmed yeah. to do this particular thing. So, yeah. So, I'm sort of sad that Luna, that we didn't get to ever get into that. Oh, the other thing mm-hmm. I was going to say about Luna. So, like, I think, I, I agree with you, Selena, that, like, there's a whole story with Luna and her transformation from, like... Peace goddess hippie, whatever, to this Luna now that we that they just never told. Right. You know, like the thing is I think I just don't think they they ever really told that story. And it's a bummer because it's a really like you can go back and piece it together and it's a super cool story. And it does make mm-hmm, sense mm-hmm. to me, like it tracks because Luna is ultimately a very black and white thinker, and she's a right. good foil That's for true. Clark and for Sky yeah. Crew because you know, she took the opposite side. If Sky Crew to, is black, then she was white. But with the way that she understood the world, she thought, either I remove myself entirely from society and never kill anyone ever under any circumstances, or I am the darkness and I exist yeah, in order I, to wipe out humanity. Mm-hmm. So there is a kind mm-hmm. of like, in the way that she she's sort of unable to find a gray area, to deal with those contradictions. You know, the way that she that when confronted with, like, the most human thing of all, arguably, which is the desire to keep living, you know, in some ways, she sort of has to frame it as either good or evil.
2: And you know what? Isn't that so interesting, too? Like, I'm just, I know she just died, but if, you know, her character's just opening up in such a big way, because this is literally the, the show where there are no good guys. Like exactly. Everyone exists right, right. in that gray exactly. space that Luna was incapable of existing in. Like, there's so much there. and And, I mean, all that said, I just want to make it clear that, like, I'm not expecting the hunter to tell every story. like oh, yeah, yeah, no, you I know as I, agree. I, as I said in my review, like they have too many characters and right, there's right. Yeah, too yeah, many yeah, stories yes, to tell. Yeah. and there's whatever dis- way they go, there's a million other ways they could have gone. and it's so easy to sort of after the fact say oh, they should have gone this other way. but I just I think when it is things like Luna, the fact that she died doesn't bother me. it does, but it doesn't really because I know that some yeah. people had to die, but I just I am looking back on it a little bit and going, I wish it hadn't felt as, as villainy as it did. But I guess what you're saying is makes a lot of sense, and and I think that that is sort of another reason why it would have been cool to give her a little bit more space. Is exactly because she was the only character who existed, in the black and white space that the show usually avoids, and because yeah. she existed there, she had to be one of one or the other. She couldn't just be one. Yeah, she had but... to jump back and forth.
1: I agree with you, Selena, that like. The issue I think for me, because I mean, watching this episode and I loved all of Luna's stuff and I love this Luna, but like, but that doesn't remove the fact that it was a really kind of abrupt transition. So I think, you know, and they don't have time to tell every story and that's absolutely true. But I think this is, you can, you can, I think it's totally fair to say like, okay, but this was a case where perhaps we maybe needed to see more of Luna's story than we got because she's so central to this. It would have really helped. I mean, it doesn't have to be everything, right? It can just be like one or two more scenes between, or even one scene, like after they steal her her bone marrow, we don't see her again until now. Like even if it was yeah. just one scene of her being like, you guys actually knocked me out and stole my bone marrow, like, fuck you, I'm out. You know what I mean? Like something like that to kind of set us up so we knew what her uh, frame of mind was when she left Sky Crew so that when she came back, we had a little bit more context. I think to me, I think one of the
0: reasons it felt like it didn't track was like the moment where where Octavia basically says like, what the fuck happened to you? Like you used to be a pacifist and she was sort of like, you know, like Sky crew fucked me all up. <laughs> That's the first moment I think that we were explicitly given the story of what happened on Science Island from Luna's yeah. point of view. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We were being guided by towards watching that story as being about Abby and Raven and Clark, Murphy and Emory occasionally, even like Roan, like everyone, every other character's perspective on what was happening on that island, we, we had a chance to kind of sit with. And Luna was sort of presented as like the test subject, like Luna was the person upon whom they were doing these experiments like the idea that all of this stuff through her eyes was contributing to this kind of slow erosion of her belief in the goodness of people that led her to this ultimate place of like complete and total nihilism. I think if we had had moments where we were watching her watching what was happening, because like they did that really subtly with just with just a few shots of Amori, like we understood. With Amori, yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like very vividly and clearly, how does all of this look to Amori? And we know what Abby and Raven and Clark are trying to do. They're trying to save everybody. They believe they're doing the right thing. So we understand why they're doing it. But we also can take that step back And understand exactly how it looks to Amori watching it from the outside. Knowing everything about who she is and her background and her, you know, lifelong trust issues. All that kind of stuff. Like, Luna was never a POV character in the Science Island storyline.
1: Yeah. You know what we needed, I think, and really like... And this would actually, I think, potentially resolve this issue and the Clark issue through the middle of the season. We needed a, a thread of Science Island... That was a story about Clark and Luna. Yeah.
2: Oh, yeah, that would have solved so many problems. Because <laughs> that
1: would so because that would solve, that would solve yeah. the Clark problem. Like if mm-hmm. we got a thread about the growing tensions between Luna and Clark. Yeah. Luna, you know, sort of increasingly disapproving of Clark's decision making. And it was already built in there from season three, you know, like from season three, right.
2: exactly. Yeah. Like she was doing the same thing again.
1: Clark was exactly. gonna like knock her out and put the chip in her head. Mm-hmm. Right, which they basically did with the bone marrow. Yeah, if we yeah. even if we'd ha- if we'd gotten a thread of Luna, sort of like if Luna had been the foil for Clark on Science Island, the way that she had been in season three, mm-hmm. that would have solved so much for Luna. Yeah, and mm-hmm. solved for Clark because it would have given us like I love the twist at the end of this episode, and I can go back and like piece back together for myself all the ways that they set it up. But it was not at all clear that they were setting that up, you know, like until we got to this moment that would have built up the twist with Clark here. I think maybe more effectively, and mm. it would have it would have given Luna a story, and so that Luna in this episode and Clark's decision at the end are the culmination of that. Like Luna was a leader of a clan, you know, so you can also like you could still have all of the stuff about like that's about Clark and leadership, but rather than framing it by having like Ron stand around being like you were born for this, you're just like Lexa, you know, which kind of <laughs> pulls away from the fact that Clark is slowly becoming you know making worse and worse decisions. Have it be about like. Luna pushing Clark on the kinds of decisions she's making as a leader. Exactly. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. That would have been something that might have actually fixed both those problems.
0: I hadn't thought of that until you said it, and now I feel like yes, that was like the piece that the piece that was missing was Luna articulating how this all looked to Luna and how this reinforced the thing that we already know. That she believed about, like, every time she's compromised with Sky Crew, it has been very grudgingly. And it's because she's always kind of thought, from the very beginning, you know, Clark and all of Clark's people sort of impressed her as, like, this is the kind of people that you are. You know, her refusal to come with them, the fact that she only shows up and asks them for help because she's desperate and has no other options and a child is dying. You know, like, every time she has... Engaged with them, it's always been with this very strong sense of like, you know, she's never really trusted them. Putting a button on that and reminding us that what happened on Science Island was kind of an extreme ramping up of this thing that's always been there and showing it to us through the lens of her, you know, her relationship mm-hmm. with Clark, who is the one person on, on Science Island that was also there with her on, you know, on the rig.
2: We could even have just have had like one scene of Luna leaving. Yeah. After after she had taken the night blood. Yeah. And it could have been as quick as like, like something affirming that Luna was done with them, that, that, that she
1: was no longer going to be a
2: part of this, that, that Clark had proven to her that humanity wasn't worth saving.
1: Even something as simple as like, you know, so the, so the, the, that whole episode leading up to Clark taking the night blood is people more and more, you know, like Luna does, the, the issue of consent does come up, you know, and mm-hmm. and people kind of like pushing back at Clark's decision and so on and so forth. I think maybe the issue is that because it ended with Clark not, you know, like stealing Luna's nightblood and putting it in Imori, mm-hmm. but putting it in herself, it kind of came across as being like, oh, well, that resolves the moral conundrum for Clark. Like, mm-hmm. she made the yeah. right choice, quote-unquote. Which turns out wasn't actually what they were going for, but that's kind of where it seemed to be going. <laughs>
2: That was where I was sure it was going. Like I'm still, that's a whole other issue. I'm still like a little bit confused on that because that was like a, a good moment for Clark compared to it everything was, else that she's done. it was gone a through, good right? moment
1: for Clark, so it's sort of confusing. Yeah, what maybe would have helped because I think like it is in some ways a good moment for Clark, but still not in always a good moment. But for, still, you know, the like stuff that
2: led up yeah, to it yeah. was still kind of unforgivable, and there could have been something yeah. like even with Murphy and and uh, Luna to put a pin in that, it yeah. would have been like, "You're you like something less cheesy than you're staying with them after what they did to you." And Murphy would have been yeah. like, "They are my people," and she would have been like uh something about them all being evil and then fizzing yeah, yeah. out. You know, like, that would have – anything like that, yeah.
1: But that also would have given us some kind of, like, <laughs> fallout from that. You know, because they, they yeah. sort of dropped that whole thing. Like, it ends with Abby smashing the thing, and then the next episode they're all packing up and seem to be mm-hmm. relatively hunky-dory. So it would, And kind it of didn't
2: give us anything with Murphy anymore in that sense. And, again, we don't need something for everything. But every no. once in a while it would be nice to just have a little bit of a transition – moment before we move on from episode yeah. to episode and have things sort of be a little bit reset. Yeah. And again, no, that I comes agree. back to the to the slight issue that I do have with this season of things, episodes not really being as cohesive as they were before.
1: Yeah. The slight disjunction. Yeah. And I think like alternately, you know, you, it could be as simple as a moment of at the end of that episode, you know, clerk, like maybe even coming in like after like Luna's packing up to, or coming in and saying something like, I'm sorry. You know, but we had to do it. Mm -hmm, You know, like mm -hmm. I had to do it because we had to know (laughs) I had no choice. (laughs) Right. Like the classic (laughs) clerk. Like of course she's gonna say I had to do it, you know, and and like and maybe even saying just like just so you know, I, I tested it on myself instead of Amori and and Luna saying something like you know, just something like you don't get it you haven't changed at all. You're the same person who Mm. tried to force the chip on me on the rig. You'll never, you know, just like something Uh like that to kind of like show like, okay, Clark thought that she was doing the right thing and Luna saying like, no, this is still not okay and I still hate you. Right. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Right. Yeah. You know, I think like, again, like you said, it's not like we need a button for every single little thing, but there are certain places where we needed a button and we haven't gotten Mm. one and I think Mm. we're sort of like, still you know like there's some little just sort of kind of places. parsing
2: through what it is about luna's death in this episode that felt a little bit unsatisfactory when yeah. when really the circumstances of her death and her motivation and everything made total sense right and for her right. being one of the three i still think that sort of ilian rowan and, and luna being those quote-unquote three ghosts like i still feel like there's some sense in it being those three
1: yeah, but it's one of those things where it's like, this feels like it should have worked better than it did. So mm-hmm. what exactly is it that's like mm-hmm. not quite 100% clicking? Yeah.
0: I think the reasons why it didn't work to me feel like they are about Luna's arc and not Octavia's. Yes. Like, yes. Octavia's yeah, Octavia's side of it feels, with the exception of, I agree, of that one, the second half of her last line being like, why, why is Luna suddenly not worth saving? <laughs> but that line aside... Octavia's half of the Octavia Luna storyline, like all, feels like it tracks spot on, and it's really just it's the it's the Luna part of it where it feels like pieces are missing or or more could have been done. Yeah. Should we talk about Roan and Echo? <laughs> <Yeah.
1: No>. Roan, <Rone. laughs> come back, Roan. I'm going to miss him so I much. Like, I know oh that my this God. like
2: has been debunked already, and I would be disappointed if it had actually been true. But when he died there was a small part of me that was like, but he's not really dead, is he? I, me <laughs> too! Me too, Yeah. Like, there was yeah, literally no well, way he could have survived being drowned in black rain, but yeah, some yeah, part yeah. of me... <laughs> I know. Really like, some part
1: of me didn't want to accept that it was true. I was like, no, he's faking it again. Like, <laughs> was like, literally,
2: this is so scarring. Like, I know all the deaths were horrible, but his was obviously, like, the most horrible because of oh, just yeah. the way it happened. Yeah. The, the fight scene was spectacular, and I oh, just rewatched so it yeah. before we started recording, and when I got to that part, I was like... No, like it gets worse every time. And when, the, when he pulls the sword uh. up and the black rain comes up, it's just like, no.
0: <laughs> and then Luna, the black rain just rolls off I of. Know. And so she just, so like he can't, he doesn't get the chance to like flee for safety mm. because Luna is just like, I'm still here, bitch. <laughs> I think in, in some ways, part of the real gut punch of, of Ron's death, even though like I yeah. sort of went into it thinking like, there's a really good chance that he could die. Like, I want to be sort of, like, braced for it. But but in some ways, I, I feel like what they did really well with Roan, which I think points out in some ways where some of the balls got dropped with Luna. All along, we were reminded of his relationships with all of these characters mm-hmm. in this really beautifully subtle way, like, all the way kind of throughout in a way that totally tracked. Like, it makes perfect sense that... You know, that Roan kills Tree Crew, like, almost right off the bat. Like, that's absolutely tracks with, like, who we know of Roan. But it also makes perfect sense that, like, before, like, this scene with Clark, where Clark walks up to, to try to sort of, like, negotiate one last, you know, attempted a deal with him and Echo, and he's like it's over you know and he absolutely means it like he's done with her and that was so hard to watch too but there's sort of reminders of like roan is one of the one of the characters on the show who's like driven by forces that are absolutely ethically consistent mm-hmm. like you can you can totally predict down to like the last little detail like roan is always going to do what is right to do to save his people and what that looks like is different for him than for somebody like Clark because he's also so shaped by the sense of like honor and tradition and like he's such a Gryffindor. <laughs> yes,
1: Oh <laughs> my God. He's such
0: a Gryffindor because like he did like the fact that he didn't kill Echo the fact that he wasn't willing to cut a sneaky deal with Clark like even even to save Asgeda, he was mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. we are not cheating. You know like that like all those little moments of like who Roan is and why we love him and then and yeah, and the battle sequence was awesome, but it was like it like it hurt so much more because we got that beautiful moment of him with Bellamy, that moment of watching him like the sort of satisfaction of Echo getting smacked down and like the I romance know. breakup between him and Clark. And then and then this last little like like him reaching out for Octavia, like at the 11th hour and being like, you know, whatever happens next happens next. But like for now, we are one clan and meaning it. It was just like, oh, I just like I just loved him so much.
2: Like, I, he was kind of like the last righteous man in yeah, a way. Yeah, 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 He was the one who, I mean, I, mean, I know we still have Kane. Yeah. He <laughs> will forever be the best. But, but there is something that about Rowan that I have, has really been a saving grace in a lot of ways, especially pairing him with Clark this season, mm-hmm. in that Clark has always been, but especially this season, has been extremely just unyielding and completely unable to hear what anyone else is saying mm-hmm. like yeah. she has an agenda and she's gonna get that agenda done no matter what and, and Rowan has been such a good counter to that because he has always been willing to listen to her mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. every time Clark has come up with something crazy he has stopped and thought about it mm-hmm. and found a way to accommodate what she is saying You know, Mm -hmm. and even though we did see him sort of go to that like random war in in 405, like it was all sort of, he wasn't stupid, but he was extremely ready to compromise in a way that Clark was not. So I feel like that, and we saw that in this episode too, you know, he told Clark, you know, if it's not my people, then it's no one. But as soon as he got into the arena and as soon as he realized that Luna actually had a chance of winning this, he changed his perspective. Or maybe Mm -hmm. it was after Bellamy and Luna and that whole experience like he was willing to adapt and that is so refreshing (laughs) in a show about people that are trying to convince each other to do things their way to have someone who is willing to to listen and and adapt his perspective so just for that reason alone i already miss him because we don't have a lot of characters that that do that
1: roan is by far the best politician on this show he really is and yeah. you know what I would even argue
2: that that was kind of for me what Lexa was in season two. You know, mm-hmm, like she came mm-hmm. in and she was willing to listen to Clark. And that in itself, before anything else happened, like that was what I was like, wow, how nice. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. How right. like a breath of fresh air and, and and I think Ronan kind of served the same purpose
0: yeah they also weren't pushovers, which I really like like i i'm right exactly I'm always really interested in any time we get a character on this show who is sort of like and both both season two lexa and roan have have done this where it's like being sort of magnificently unimpressed with Clark's Clarkness. (laughs) Yes.
2: (laughs) Like, I will... Yeah, like, they'll listen, but they're not dumb. Yeah, like, I'm going to
0: listen, but, like, I don't believe that you're magic. And if your idea is stupid, Mm -hmm. I'm going to be like, that's really stupid. And if a better deal comes (laughs) along, I'm going to take it. So it's always really interesting, I think, because so many... Like so many of the characters and so much of the narrative is about this sort of idea of Clark is the chosen one. You know, Clark is the one who is special and Clark can do things nobody else can do. And so every once in a while when she sort of butts up against somebody who is just sort of like, I hear the things that you're saying. It. Right. The answer is still no. It's really <laughs> interesting to get that dynamic because it doesn't happen very often. And I think the show saves it for these kind of big moments. But I think that's one of the things that was really devastating about Rowan's arc over the course of the season is like, if you look at this season from Rowan's perspective, every time he tried to make a compromise, to make peace, Sky Crew fucked him over. And we know, yep. from watching it from the outside, we know that there were sometimes totally defensible reasons for that, but if you look at the way all of those things looked to Rowan, like Kane not telling Rowan for some nonsensical reason about why they were attempting to make a shelter in Arcadia and everyone not explaining about the Nightblood experiments. And some of these were kind of dumb writing choices where I was kind of like, why didn't anyone tell this to Rome? But the fact is that no one told it to Rome. You know, and so, so he only has the information that he has. And so he's like trying and trying and trying. He gets, you know, ostracized by his own people as Geta turns on him. He goes off to Science Island with Clark, you know, trying to make an alliance there, trying to save the day for his people. And so he like... The show giving us his point of view all the way along. And yet still, it's not a personal grudge she holds against these people. Like that little, the little smile between him and Bellamy when they're like, Mm -hmm. when they're like talking Mm -hmm. about, well, when, you know, when I kill your sister, I'm going to tell her she was lucky to have you. No, when she kills you. You tell her <laughs> so I lonely. was the lucky one. And then they kind of <laughs> smile and it's like Roan doesn't hate Bellamy at all. Like
2: No, like he respects them no. like yeah. He, doesn't, he yeah. doesn't think they're dumb, he doesn't think they're the enemy. He doesn't he doesn't look at things in this really all or nothing way. Or yeah. Didn't I guess. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and it took like I mean, you know, he he was willing to accept. I think he was sort of able to understand, okay, you know, like you are responsible to your people, I am responsible to my people. If we can find a way that we can do something together that's good for both of our people, great. But he mm-hmm. never begrudged the fact that Sky Crew leaders are concerned with Sky Crew first. He just took that as a kind of as a given. You know, that's their job and he's right. doing his job. So, you know, I, but I think, you know, it makes sense that after they have sort of repeatedly demonstrated their untrustworthiness, mm-hmm. you know, that he's at that moment going to say, I do have no reason to trust you. So in this life or death situation, you know, in the situation where it's either my clan continues to exist or we don't, I'm not going to trust you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So it's like, again, I mean, he's just like, he's, he does that political calculus very, very, he's very like clear sighted about it. Yeah. Well, and he, like, I, I loved, I thought it was
0: really important and a really nice little sort of slice into how his mind works that we see that in that moment with Bellamy and Echo, that he instantly believes Bellamy, like he doesn't, like yeah. Yeah, not for, not right. for a second. Like after Bellamy says, like I came here to stop her, and he's like, all right, bitch, what'd you do? You know, like he, <laughs> like he knows who, and it's so funny. And you know, he's like, I should have known, like you two motherfuckers <laughs> <I> would <know. laughs> be.
1: I heard it's a noise. It's Bellamy, yeah.
2: Just it's so oh funny. My God, yeah.
1: <laughs> well, it makes sense with Bellamy too. and It is like. I mean, he like he likes Bellamy. He respects Bellamy, but he's also got this kind of like, oh, you again, new eyes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Messed things up for me. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah. I always had the flame in season three, and then you shot me. God like, damn what it! Hell? Yeah,
0: I know. I love it. It was so like it, it did. It made me laugh. He was like, oh, like that that sort of Roan sigh. Like it was like, oh, yeah, Nightbloods. He uh, is like felony.
2: that older brother who's just like, oh, you kids again. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like, oh my god, <laughs> I'm doing yeah. my thing. With my grown-up friends, I know, like, <laughs>
0: uh, well, and I loved like I I love that little moment just because it was so. There are very few characters that would have played that scene the way Roan did it. Where he instantly, like where Bellamy said Echo did this and Roan immediately believed him and banished Echo, but he didn't kill her. But there were instant Mm -hmm. and immediate consequences for her betrayal, not just because Mm -hmm. she had done something that was potentially incredibly reckless, but also because like at his core, Roan didn't want to win that way. You know? Yeah. Like like Mm -hmm. it, it felt- Oh my
2: God felt it was just so good like like
0: that (laughs) like like that and and also the way like the way he looks at Clark in that first scene where she says well I want humanity to survive even if it isn't my people and he basically is like Get out of my sight before you dishonor your mm-hmm. Like he's like disgusted. Like he, you like know. he feels like that's a dishonor to. Like she has dishonored the Sky Crew by saying that. Essentially,
1: is the ultimate. It was the ultimate Slytherin uh, Gryffindor. Yes. Shape, you know, yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. They could get around for so <laughs> long.
2: Go to the cell, the basement. We're done with you. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. But, but I think like, and that's the thing as well is that that is the way in which I think it carried over from last episode really well is that that was genuinely like Rowan has given her so much rope. Mm-hmm. Yes. But he has. that came a point when he was done. And that was when she basically and he told her this again. He was like, You disrespected our culture. And you can see on Clark's face, she's thinking, Look, this is nothing to do with your culture. Like I literally just want to save you, stop being dumb. Right, right. But he's saying to her you cannot come in here and say that and do that and expect us to just fall at your every whim. Like, yeah. that is yeah. not how we do it. And so I think he's being so reasonable about it. He's saying that that is simply... She simply can't do mm-hmm. it. Like, she simply can't come in and change their traditions. And, yeah, yeah. And she is disrespecting him and she is not giving him the same leeway or room or
1: trust that he has shown
2: to her all season. And that's Mm -hmm. ultimately like what breaks them.
1: She's not giving him, you know, the respect and autonomy that is his due as a sovereign leader of his own people. That's true too. Yeah, he is also
2: king. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah,
1: you know, so it disrespects their traditions. But I think another big part of it is like she was attempting to claim an authority that she has no right to. She was attempting... She's just some
2: girl and he is literally yeah.
1: a king right like and she was trying to say like well if you're not going to listen to me then I'm going to she she sort of was like I think inadvertently and this is the part that Clark is you know is not like aware that she's doing I think but what she's essentially saying is like you don't get a choice. You know, you can either choose right, yeah, to do it exactly. my way or I you can you. You didn't choose
2: the right choice, so
1: now you don't get one. Exactly. That. Exactly. Yeah. And she doesn't recognize the way, like she doesn't, on a, like a personal level, she doesn't really recognize that other people just get to make choices for themselves that she doesn't get to kind of like steamroll over. But on a, on a kind of like, on a political level, she also doesn't recognize that she, a member of Sky Crew, does not get to make choices for Asgarda or right. for the sovereign king mm-hmm. of Asgarda. Like Trump has this problem too. Right, where he like he does not like fundamentally understand oh, there. <laughs> uh, what the like what the sovereignty of a sovereign nation means. It means you right. don't get to make decisions for them. And like the clear, or uh, uh, Clark, Claire, Claire this <laughs> Clark, <laughs> Clark at this moment has this problem. So I think you know that's kind of like a core thing as well that she's you know she's violating not just how grounders do things, but also like she's disrespecting the fact that grounder clans are their own entities, you know, and she is not the commander. And even, like... I mean, not that we ever really knew exactly what uniting the clans meant, but, like, it seemed or ostensibly it never meant that they lost all of their sovereignty over themselves. Like, they could still vote themselves out of the alliance or whatever, you know? So there's that, too, which I think... And that, like, when I was going back and watching it again, like, that sets up very well for what Clark does later and also for it being very clearly, finally, in this episode, that aspect of Clark's personality being very clearly framed as, like, this is Clerk going off the rails yeah you know this is clark this is like this is dark clark Mm, when dark mm, when clark mm, goes dark (laughs) this (laughs) this is how it happens you know and i think like part of my part of the issue with the earlier parts of the season or the middle of the season especially is that this sort of storyline i think was starting to happen but there was still like all these open questions about like like when she gave herself the night blood it's like so that seems pretty heroic but she's kind of not supposed to be so so there's like some sort of muddle there so can we talk about Bellamy some more before we move on to Let's the do ending? it. Yeah, yeah. Because yes. This is such a good Bellamy episode and uh. I love it when the show remembers that Bellamy is like very smart yes. and very clever strategically, Yes. you know? Like so yes. I love that that you know like Kane is being all soccer dad like okay, when they do this, you mm-hmm. do this and you should do this, <laughs> you should do that. And like and Bellamy's like or you could not fight everyone.
2: <laughs> I love that scene, I by the way, because that. that was such a little like one of the bits of that extended Blake family that I just loved so much in this episode was that you had Kane exactly be that dad and Octavia was just like, Oh Bellamy was just standing there, like, literally rolling his eyes. And <laughs> yeah, she exactly. was like, What is it? Doing? <laughs> <laughs> I would and it was just such a cute little I know. domestic moment. Yeah, actually, she's like what yes.
1: you have advice too <laughs> and he's like uh <laughs> well i what
0: i what i loved other than yeah just it was such a like they were such a family i was like oh my god this is so cute yeah. but i what i this like i think really gets to the heart of one of the things that i felt like made the fighty stuff work was this reminder that the blakes are not what the show sometimes has turned them into which is these sort of like ruthless murder machines like before before <laughs> right. they were both ruthless murder machines yeah. they were nerds like they're just like <laughs> you know like like they're so incredibly smart people and and so getting to see bellamy twice help octavia win this fight using his brain instead of using mm. a machine gun mm. was a really nice, like like the way we sort of got Octavia recentering as peak Octavia, like the core of who she truly is and like her best self. I think for Bellamy, being smart and strategic enough to A, immediately figure out that she doesn't have to kill all 12 warriors. She just needs to kill whoever is the last one standing. And that using the whole of who she is – is, like, a weapon that she has that the others don't have. And also, immediately figuring out what was going on with the arrows, it was like, this was, like, Bellamy saving the day using his brain. Like, Bellamy didn't shoot anybody. Right. Bellamy didn't punch anyone. It was, like, he was smart before he was a killer, you know?
1: Well, and he's, Mm -hmm. and it was also that very specific, like, Bellamy smarts. Yes. Which is, like, his people smarts. Like, this goes, like, him looking around and, and that kind of, like, That like really sharp intuition he has about people. Like, you know, so him looking around and thinking like, okay, somebody got killed by an arrow. No one had a bow and arrow going in. Echo isn't here and being able to make that intuitive leap. I mean, like that, you know, that kind of is like the Bellamy who figured out that Gaius was the one who poisoned... Yes. Um, he put the poison in the in the cups in season two and that's, mm-hmm. you know, in order to frame Sky Crew. Like he's able, he he just has this like intuitive understanding of people around him. You know, he's this like kind of emotional intelligence that is what made him, you know, can make him such an effective leader because he can be like kind of motivator. But it was nice to see him use that again. You know, so I feel like his advice to Octavia was like, a, you know, a version of that where like, What he wants sort of emotionally is for Octavia not to be fighting big, scary, gigantic grounder men. But in order to get to that, he's sort of like, okay, hey, remember, before they were fighters of any kind, before they were anything, the Blakes were survivors.
2: Yeah. Like Octavia couldn't win this fight unless she remembered who she was before she was a fighter. exactly.
1: And she wouldn't have remembered that if Bellamy hadn't remembered that. And if he hadn't kind of called back to like, look, our entire lives have been framed around figuring out clever ways to keep you alive. Yeah. So yeah. let's use both of our skills, like my skill in figuring out ways to keep you alive sneakily <laughs> and and hers in like being sneaky and staying alive. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, like it tracks too with Bellamy where like, you know, if you imagine and this is just like headcanon or whatever. But like if you imagine back to him on the arc as a little kid, a huge part of like keeping that magnitude of a secret and that complicated of a secret, which is like an entire human being,
2: you yeah. know, inside of his
1: yeah. apartment he would have to be able to read people really, really well. Yeah. Like, he would need to sort of understand, like... When, when people are coming to his apartment, like, what are they looking at and what are they thinking and why are they thinking mm-hmm. it, you know, and, and all that kind of stuff. They're both kind of like, they've been primed for the the things that they do in this episode. And it was just like, it was just so satisfying to see that again. It was like, ah oh, yes, okay. Hi, Bellamy, I haven't yeah. seen in a while. Like, yes. I'm so <laughs> excited to see you. Yes, oh my God. But you know what I also, what I also really loved about
2: that, kind of related to that too, is that we got to get it both ways with Bellamy. Both letting her, both being allowed to save her, but also letting her fight this fight on her own because yes. he didn't enter the arena to fight her battles for her. He no. entered the arena to take out the cheater, basically, like the, the thing yeah. she could not fight herself because it was another element of it.
1: He entered the arena to give her even ground again. Yes, exactly. exactly. Like
2: because he believed in her ability to win this on her own. That's yeah, why yeah. he was there to make sure she could do that. And I think yeah. that was so that was such a clever way that they got around that because I think it's hard to imagine a, a version of Octavia fighting to the death and Bellamy sitting on the sidelines. Like I'm right, sure they yeah, could have yeah. done it, but it would have felt a little bit like, Oh, but how can you yeah. do that? <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> yeah. yeah, this yeah. One, like he was fighting the fight alongside her, but he was fighting a different fight for yeah. her. And so when he has that conversation with with Rowan, it doesn't feel disingenuous because he wasn't no. there to be her big brother. He was there because he believed in her as an equal. And and I just I thought that was so such a payoff of, of oh of yeah four seasons of setup. You know,
1: I agree, and and I think it was a great payoff. I mean, like they've been they've been we've been waiting so long for this kind of the the reconciliation of the Blakes and and. And this, I think, like, that moment and and Octavia, like, what, him saying that without her. I think, you know, it's why it was important that he said it without knowing that she was there. Yeah. Because that kind of, like, contributes to the sincerity. Um, and her getting to overhear it and sort of reacting to it. Like, I do think it's also shown that as they reconcile, they're not just going to go back to being the Bellamy and Octavia they were before. Right. You know, like, Bellamy yeah. has, no, has figured out a way. Like, Bellamy will always love his sister more than anything in this life. Hamilton. Um. <laughs> <laughs> he will always love his sister more than anything. He will always kind of like, I think there's the the part of him that is that where like anytime Octave is in danger, the forefront of everything in his being is going to be pushing him towards save her. You know, like that's never gonna go away. But I think like we've sort of seen that the evolution they've gone through is that he has learned how to feel that way and to love her that much and to want to protect her without it. Sort of resulting in behavior that is overprotective or that, that makes him think that he needs to, like, control her or take away her autonomy or her right to choose or whatever. Um, and she, I think, in return has figured out, like, through this, I think she's she's finally figured out how to, like, understand his love as not being, like, choking. You know? right, right, yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. Like, she, she can sort of accept that he loves her and that he loves her that much, and it isn't sort of suffocating to her because, mm. because I think she sort of is learning, like, okay, the fact that he loves me doesn't mean, like, him loving me and me being free are not incompatible things, which I think is kind of what she felt for a long time. I think that she always knew that he loved her, but she didn't really feel like he believed in her. Yeah, that's another way of putting it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: And I think I think that for her, I think in some ways it feels like the only the only really logical, or maybe not the other, but like the most effective and best way for her to really come to that understanding deep down is that she had to hear him say it to somebody else not knowing she was there because when he says those things yes. to her face, yeah. she like yeah. Like she just she can't she can't really hear it, you know, and so yeah, so he yeah. had to show her love to her a different way. She saw him like endanger himself coming to her rescue. But but again, like it's about not overstepping, not mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. not making a special exception for his little sister to keep her safe, because which would imply to her that she felt like. That he that like he didn't think she yeah would he do needed it. coddling mm-hmm. you know yeah. like he um but he was fighting to keep it fair to give her a fighting chance and you know and that that it's so clear when he's talking to Rowan that like he genuinely does believe in her which in some ways makes the the gut punch at the end even more you know shocking oh, God. Yeah, because yeah. the whole point of Clark and Jaha's plan is that they didn't believe Octavia would win
2: yep. yeah 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 you know, exactly like they exactly. he's gonna have words about it. Exactly that. yeah, and
0: yeah. So, so aside so apart from all the other reasons why that twist is sort of shocking it's that we get this sort of beautiful build of you know Bellamy like at the beginning telling her you don't have to do this you know like he gives her an out mm-hmm. not intrusively like he just gives her a chance to back out of it and she says no like we all knew she was going to but that like all the way along everything that he does and all their interactions are so much about him finding that balance between protecting her and letting her go and her getting to witness the moment of that balance.
1: On Octavia's side, you know, that's all stuff that that Bellamy sort of had to learn, and we see him learning it. I think on Octavia's side, too, it also, because like what you were saying, Claire, uh, Claire, that like, (laughs) if he said it to her face... She wouldn't believe him, right? She would She would interpret him as being in some way insincere, like he was saying hmm. that stuff to like her. Like Clark
2: was saying that that's yeah. what she needed to hear, yeah. You know? yeah,
1: Yeah, that's, oh my God, I hadn't put that together, but that's so good. Like Clark is the one who was like, she needs to hear yeah. it, but she didn't believe it, Yeah, and Bellamy believed it. Believes it, yeah. Oh my God. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> so, but, but I think, so on Octavia's side, I think the thing that she had to learn about Bellamy that we saw kind of like clicking in this episode is like, I think, you know, and this and this kind of in a super oblique way, I think, does touch on the the issue with her having blamed him for Lincoln's death this whole time. Is that she's been, like, she's really been misinterpreting Bellamy. Mm-hmm. You know, like, she yeah. has this kind of, like, set idea of who Bellamy is in her head. And it's partly the overprotective brother that she, you know, that, like, was her whole life and whom she loves but who is also her captor, you know, for a very long time. Mm. Both on the ark and then even on the ground in season 1 when he was trying to kind of keep her contained. Mm-hmm. And then also the the sort of version of Bellamy that she kind of imagined or that sort of existed in season 3 or the the person that she thought that he had become. And she hadn't been able to see past those. Like she hadn't really been able to let go of those versions of him and and see who he is now. And so she couldn't really hear him when he would try to say things to her like she mm-hmm. couldn't she couldn't accept them or they didn't seem real and i think this is also like yeah watching that ex- a conversation with Roan, she's finally able to like i think see bellamy now for who he is and sort of mm-hmm. and so she has a kind of revelation moment too where like those those kind of like that old stuff falls away and like the new octavia is able to see the new bellamy and like yeah. understand him in a way that she couldn't before yeah, yeah. and i
2: think that's some something that sort of Again, one of the things that, one of the many things that I just love about this and about Octavia's coming into a new version of of herself and, and, and consolidating all of her parts is that it's one thing that I've always kind of... There's one moment that I have always despised. This is like my my second worst moment of the series or third worst or whatever is in the season one finale when Octavia like gets her little grounder um, a kick in and she hurts her leg. Bellamy picks her up and physically hands her over to Lincoln. Yeah. yeah. And that has always just been my like... And he's like, you take care of her moment. now, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and and it's kind of like, like giving her autonomy within the space of her quote unquote belong To somebody, right?
1: Yeah, and it's
2: something that I think, and I think they actually, because with Lincoln's relationship, they did something really interesting in that they had them move sort of towards a a middle ground and then move past each other on the way to each other's people. That was sort of a whole other thing that was happening that I that I liked. But I always felt like Octavia's whole thing was her trying to find out who she belonged to mm-hmm. yeah. and her in a way rejecting that she had to belong to anyone yeah. yeah but also always going back and forth and trying to consolidate that and trying to uh to to figure out like what parts of herself she she had to sort of prioritize to to fit in with that and always feeling like everything that Bellamy was to her he was also someone that had something on her not not something on her but that had some some part of her and I think this one this episode kind of really did a lot like Bellamy was sort of not not that he was actually doing it but it wasn't a little bit him handing her over to herself Mm -hmm. yeah you know like this not that he had the, the maybe still had the authority to do that or the right to do that but he did it anyway like he didn't say things to her like I know he gave her that advice at the beginning with the girl under the floor but that was just one piece out of many like he didn't frame
1: a well, he gave it as advice. that he wanted he her. Was like, exactly like he didn't yeah. frame
2: a thing he wanted her to be or a thing he wanted her to do even if that had been freedom he just let her be her mm-hmm. and I think that's what was so important and that sort of took us away from any idea that Octavia was someone to be given or released or whatever yeah. you want to say. And
1: I, I really, really like that. No, I think that's a really, really good point. And, and I think also, I mean, like one really powerful thing that was happening too, and this kind of goes back to the her relationship with Ilian as well, is that for a number of reasons that have to do with that background with Octavia, she's always believed that belonging to herself or being independent... ...means having to be disconnected... ...you know, having to push right. people yeah. away. Yes. You know, right. and I yeah. think this is like... ...the great thing about the what happened with Bellamy in this episode... ...is that for both of them, for both Octavia and Bellamy... ...is that I think they both learned that he can give her her autonomy... ...and that mm. does not mean that he has to give up his connection to her. Yep. Or that she has to give up his connect her connection to him. Yep. Like, she can have her autonomy... And he can love her that much and want her to, you know, be okay and be alive and vice versa. So I think they both finally learn, like, these two things are not incompatible. You know, like, the the feeling that they had that it was, was a kind of fallacy that, like, you know, that's, like, totally understandable given their background. But, like, I think they, I feel like they finally both kind of evolved past that. Mm. And it makes me very... Emotional and happy. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
2: <laughs> to sum up, <hope>, yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, the
0: other thing about Bellamy's arc in this episode that I really, really loved that actually kind of came as like a fun surprise to me is I was so happy with the Bellamy and Kane like father son reunion content because, yeah, like, uh, yes. Yes. because you both know how much it hurt me, like how how mm-hmm. much it pains me when they're fighting, and I and how like. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) And how just like, I mean, the Black Rain episode was so good, and like that sort of ugliness and complexity of the relationship between them was like important and necessary, but it was also like excruciating to watch. And what I, and so I, it was another like very subtle, like not overly done, but you know, having them united to support. Octavia you know who they both care about so much and being sort of like standing there and being like we are your family but also Kane's sort of intuitive understanding of like how difficult this is for Bellamy and trying to give him as much reassurance as he could like that it it wasn't just sort of about their relationship with Octavia it was also about their relationship with each other and then that moment of you know Bellamy has an idea Kane's like no stop is too dangerous and you sort of think that it's going to go the way these moments have been going between the two of them where Bellamy has to sort of rebel against dad and run away and then Kane's mm-hmm, like wait mm-hmm. no we'll do your plan but with this twist that makes it smarter like like we're gonna do, like hatch this plane together and Bellamy's like yes okay wait until dark sure you know so so like that <laughs> so like that little moment of you know and, and him and Bellamy telling him like he couldn't tell Octavia that he loved her and Kane telling him, like, she knows that. And then we see later that moment with, you know, with the eavesdropping that that's true. Like, it was just, there was really so nice and subtle, I think, between the two of them. Like, establishing that the big kind of air-clearing confrontation and conflict that they had in 407 didn't, I guess it was sort of like you're saying about Bellamy and, and Octavia, like, It didn't sever the relationship. It just sort of clarified, like, here's the ground that we're really standing on now. You know, like this is this what the relationship really is, and and so I liked that. I sort of, I mean, I was like, I was just emotionally, like, on a gut level, I was like, I'm just so happy that they (laughs) like that they love each other again. But
2: but it was also
0: it was also a nice like clearing away the false ideas about what this relationship is and coming back to the center of what it really is. And Bellamy doing that with Kane just felt like a really nice little echo of watching him do it also with Octavia, you know? Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So, yeah, so I was really happy Bellamy's with that. Bellamy's
2: story this this season has just been, like I said before, like it has just been really good. Like I know they kind of were a little bit heavy-handed on the, oh, he needs to atone, but I think it yeah. has turned into more of a, he needs to let go. I agree. You know, he needs to let go of, Mm -hmm. yes, the things he's done, but also just... Let it rest and
1: be done. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Exactly.
2: Just in general, just let it go. Yeah. Yeah.
1: No, I I agree. I mean, honestly, I think the only exception... I really think that... um, Was it 405, the Tinderbox... Yeah yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think th- I think honestly that might be I'd have to go back on it. I'll have to pay attention to rewatch. But I think that might actually be the only really false note for Bellamy this mm-hmm. season. Like that was that was the one episode where it was like super duper heavy. That was a
2: false note. For a lot of people, like, that yeah. also comes back to Echo and how they yeah. basically had the exact same confrontation as they did in this episode, right. where yeah. she had just almost killed Octavia, and then he talked her down, and then she supposedly had this big breakthrough, and yet here she is doing exactly the same. Right, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, anyway.
1: I, I, like, I mean, if you pull that out, I think... Bellamy's mm-hmm, mm-hmm. this season has been like fantastic. Like, I mean, I think yeah. for overall, this is this is like exactly the arc I think that I would want from him, both in terms of dealing with, you know, the stuff from last season then also in terms of dealing with Octavia. And not just Octavia from last season, but like going like all the way back to the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So mm-hmm. yeah, no, I agree. I think I think Bellamy's story, you know, on a macro level, kind of like looking back over this series has been like except for that one. Except for the tinderbox. And then I guess yeah, a little bit, like, I agree. a little bit the, the, like, fake out Octavia death thing, which went nowhere. You know? Right. It's been- yeah,
2: but that wasn't Bellamy's <laughs> fault. That wasn't Bellamy <laughs> at <all>. Yeah, that <laughs>
1: wasn't really about Bellamy. That was just like, yeah. he had to
0: react. Yeah, yeah and then- <laughs> of course. That was more about us not getting to see enough of Bellamy's reaction to it. Right. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Or Gaines. Or yeah, Kane's. yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay, Clark. Okay, so. The twist
0: ending of this episode, I knew before I watched, because I watched West Coast Time. And so before I watched the episode, I knew that like something crazy happened in the last two minutes. And I knew that Aaron loved it. And I knew that my friend Sam hated it. And I was like, what's mm. it gonna be?
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> I was like, all right, so something crazy is gonna happen. And I assumed it was something like badly related. I did know, and I'm glad that I knew this because otherwise it would have been much harder to watch. I knew before I saw the twist unfold that there was some kind of a like you're gonna think that kane is about to die but then don't worry there's a picture of him in the trailer of the next episode (laughs) So so i went into it knowing like all right i can like i can alleviate my fear that like
2: you can breathe yeah
0: yes it felt like an explicit rebuttal to like From last episode where Aaron and I were like, when was the last time Clark did something that genuinely surprised you? (laughs) And then Mm -hmm. like fucking clockwork. It was like, oh, oh, here's one.
2: (laughs) Here we go. Well, I really like I really appreciate you guys saying that because I think and this is again where I when I watch, when I've watched the episodes, decision obviously because I get screeners, I'm watching in complete isolation. Yeah. yeah, so I have no idea. Yeah, like what people are gonna say. So I have only like my own, my own uh, sort of gut reaction to go on. And I actually, I have to say, and I guess I can just get that out of the way, and then you guys can can be positive in that I I didn't like that this was a surprise. Like I mm. didn't like that we. Spend a whole episode with Octavia being built up in this great way. And then at, in the, at the very end, we had Clark be used as a sort of quote unquote evil twist. Mm-hmm. Like, I know that's mm-hmm. not what she is, but I, mm-hmm. but I didn't like that this was a big moment for Clark. This is basically when she snaps. This is when mm-hmm. she's like, I'm done with you people. Like I, and, and I didn't like that we didn't get to do that with her because she is the lead character. And I think that there are many fans that are sort of beginning to feel a little bit isolated from Clark. And having and this her, kind of could
1: exacerbate that problem.
2: It did. It, yes. Yeah. And I think it, in a way, in a lot of ways, it did because it shifted the focus from, from Clark to Bellamy, you yes, know, that's in, true. in a lot of ways. It, it was, he was the point of view. He was the one who, and he was the one we were reacting to because we had been following Bellamy and Octavia and we hadn't been following Clark. And so in that way, I wish we got to see it. Only because I don't like that they are sort of othering Clark and that mm-hmm. they are making us emotionally distant from her. You know, like they're already making her emotionally distant from the other characters. Now they're kind of making her emotionally distant to the audience. That said, I really like that she did it. Yeah. Like I really like that this is where Clark's story was going. Yes. You
1: know, I totally, I totally see that point of view, Selena. Like I, my immediate reaction was I was just excited. You know, I mean, it was just like, yeah. like the possibilities. <laughs> So so I wasn't really thinking about it from that perspective. And I think that's a really good point, you know, that, like, that there is something a little kind of like, all right, she's our protagonist, really. You know, like if we have a protagonist in the show, it's definitely Clark. Mm -hmm. This Mm. is a humongous moment for that protagonist. So you want to see it. And it would have been nice to see. I mean, I think on rewatch... When I saw her make, you know, you could sort of put together the deci- Her making the decision, yes, like at the you beginning. can see
2: on her face you when she absolutely. makes that decision, yes. Mm-hmm. But you have to know,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, so the first time it's a total shock and it comes out of nowhere. The second time you're like, oh, that didn't come out of nowhere, which is cool yeah. in its way, but also like presents these other things. I think maybe you know. I was thinking as you're talking, so. The other rising Clark, I totally know what you're saying. I agree with you that, you know, we talked about when we talked about this last week or when we were talking about Clark and, you know, we've talked about this with you. And I think we were talking about this on Twitter, Selena, you and I and some others, Mm. you know, that it it had been coming increasingly sort of tough that Clark felt so distant from us as a character, you know. Yeah. And shut off. And so not being able to take to like sort of see her make this decision does kind of like double down on that distance and, and it really does seem like we've shifted into Bellamy as a point of view character instead of Clark for the first time in a really long time. Yeah. And I, you know, and I think... And not like,
2: that that's bad. Like, no, no. I just want to clarify that I don't think that's a bad too, but I just think after the season that she has had. Yes. You know, this is a big moment that has been building on so much the season that has already made her, like, not a villain, obviously. no. But no, no. she literally transformed into Dante Wallace for this for the sake of the twist, you know, yeah. and I feel like that just, it needed a little bit of, of context for me watching it, just so I didn't have to sit there alone and say, but, <laughs> <What>? <laughs> but why, why, why?
1: I think mm-hmm. all of these issues are really tied together, because mm-hmm. the, the thing is, yeah. with the Clark that we've got, at this point, my, my concern, is I was thinking about like, well, what if we had watched her make that decision? And and I think it would have been presented in the way it always, like, I think we would have had the same problem repeated that we've had throughout the season, where it would mm-hmm. be about Clark. We'd be too much in Clark's point of view. Yeah, we would still right. be, it would still be unclear, you know, we'd still be in that weird place where it's like, because we're in Clark's point of view, it doesn't really like land that her decision is like big, gigantic, bad move, you know, For the way that this season has gone and the where Clark is coming into this episode, we really needed to get that decision of hers from someone else's point of view, like Bellamy's, in order for it to land that, like, Clark has done something bad. Like, capital B, bad.
2: Yeah, like, Clark has actually been othered sort of a little bit on purpose in this episode, hasn't she? Because she has finally sort of, quote-unquote, crossed the line. Yes. Not necessarily, like, not even necessarily from my perspective, but certainly from... From the internally, from, from other, other characters' perspectives, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right,
1: yeah. yeah, and but I think like so, but I think that that is that is the product of the other problems that we've had with the way that they've written Clark's character through the season. Because if you think about like if say if you try to if we imagine that that Luna and Clark storyline we were talking about earlier on Science Island had happened, and that Clark's I- actions on Silence Island going into this episode were already framed as being choices that are that are at least from one major point of view, very bad or questionable, then we could have seen Clark make this decision and had the context to understand as she's making it that, you know, like that this is a bad decision without having to have another point of view character, have it revealed to us through another point of view character so that we didn't identify with it. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I think in some ways they had to make the decision to, to sort of like structure, narratively structure her choice in this episode the way that they did because of the choices that they made about the way that they structured her character earlier in the season so i think i agree with your critique of her in this episode but i think that's just like that kind of like reflects way all the way backwards on the way that she's been set up to get here yeah mm. well
0: and i for me i guess i feel like i i think i think within the context of this episode i think one one very small change i think that might have fixed us a little bit is that like so so my my sense of like we're meant to believe that the moment that she kind of decides all right like she's going to do something drastic is following that confrontation with Ronan and Echo but I think because yes. because the camera lingers on Echo at the end of that moment yeah. it it yeah. makes us feel like that moment is about like Echo gets an idea
2: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: and she does like I think that's the moment that we're meant to believe that Echo decides to cheat But Echo deciding to cheat isn't the biggest of the moments that happens within that scene. The biggest thing, I think, going back and rewatching it again, is like we're meant to see that's the moment that Clark decides, all right, all bets are off, anything goes. And so I think within the episode, I think it might have been as simple as like if Roan and Echo had walked away and the camera had lingered on Clark and we watch Clark having a moment of fuck what now, make a decision.
2: Mm -hmm, mm
0: -hmm. Little things like that just sort of giving us like a Clark POV on a moment that we had that was on someone else might have helped but the the sort of like overall i feel like what i like about the fact that that sort of the twist felt very very twisty because she was so opaque was all of the ways that this sort of stitches together the parallels we've been getting all season long between clark and jaha and that jaha is, Jaha Mm -hmm. is the kind of leader who Everything that he does is that opaque. That you never quite know until he does something what he's going to do or why he does it. And you're never quite sure sort of what's going on behind what he says and does. And so I feel Mm. like this kind of increasing build we've been getting all season of Clark making decisions in secret or Clark making decisions unilaterally or Clark, you know, having a moment of realization and then deciding to do something that kind of happens off screen and all the sort of like distancing her from most of the people that she normally runs things by, isolating her from her mom, isolating her from Bellamy. And I mean, even,
1: even in retrospect, the fact that she made the list while Bellamy was asleep. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. Like he this. He was is, in the room, but he wasn't. Yes. You know. Yes. He
0: wasn't like they didn't talk it out together, you know? And yeah. and the so so I think so for me, what I really liked about this is that like this episode for me, for a lot of characters whose arcs I was kinda like, what are you guys really doing here? It it made it clear like, oh, this is always where it was going. And so the thing about If I can just yell about Jaha for a second, because I have so many Jaha thoughts. (laughs) Um, So, so the, so my beef that all season I've been having with the Jaha storyline, to the degree that I get very screamy about it, is this sort of puzzling, like, back and forth of, like, is he a good guy? Is he a bad guy? Are we supposed to believe when he does these good leader things that he genuinely means them sincerely? Or is he playing some kind of a long con? Because if he's supposed to be sincere, why do they keep drawing this parallel between him and Cadigan? But then if he isn't sincere, then it makes us trust Clark's judgment less that she trusts his judgment mm-hmm. Like, What's going on? What's going on? What's going on? And I think what's, what's amazing, what was like cheerworthy about this twist at the end, was it was like, in hindsight, you look back. And you're like watching like the whole point of all the things that Jaha was doing that made him feel like a trustworthy ally to Clark were not about us believing Jaha has changed. It was like, this is how Jaha turned Kane into Cain.
1: Mm. Yeah,
0: Yeah, Jaha's particular way of being a leader and the way that he makes decisions and the way that he sort of very subtly reinforces things like deceiving people for their own good, like manipulating people's agency and free will, but for their own good, like he takes that and kind of amplifies that. And so the Jaha who told Clark like who encouraged her to be deceitful about the list. Yeah. Is the same Jaha who was like, well, we're going to pretend like Sector 17 was an equipment malfunction. Yeah. It's not just that it brings Clark's arc to this sort of beautiful culmination of where she was going. It's like Jaha hasn't changed. Like this is he's the same Jaha that he always was. But what we've seen all season with these moments that felt inconsistent or misleading is we're watching Jaha persuade Clark and like he's kind of running a long con on both her and us, the audience, with these moments that like, because Clark is our point of view character. Clark saying like, huh? maybe Jaha was right and like I thought he was this terrible leader but maybe he maybe his way of being a leader is the only way to be a leader because the thing that he did worked and the thing I wanted to do didn't work and so so with that, in that moment I was kind of like wow like are we supposed to think maybe Jaha had a point the whole time but that moment wasn't about us being like maybe Jaha's a good guy that moment was about us watching Clark step by step by step by step I think being persuaded until she's reached a point where she's making, like, she's kind of become the leader that he was on the arc.
1: I love that you basically turned Jaha into, like, the ultimate Svengali. Yes! Yeah, 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 yeah. I kind of see it the same
2: way, but but I think, for me, I have always liked Jaha. Like, you guys know, like, I've always found, like, no, I haven't liked, that's the wrong word. I've He's, always found He's him. Oh, yeah. Yes. yes. I've always found him super fascinating. I have always been interested in the way that he was so, so convinced that he was the chosen one. Mm -hmm. Like, especially compared to Clark through the whole show. Yeah. Jaha is the one who thinks that he... Is meant to save them. Like he's yeah, kind of yeah. like the extreme version of Clark. And I think he always has been like, I think ever since he That's landed a really on the good ground, point. um, like he believed himself to be Jesus slash Moses, the <laughs> chosen leader. And he was very confused that the others didn't agree with him. You know, he was very perplexed when he, you know, he came down and they had some other chancellors and, and Abby, Abby and, uh, and, yeah, ja- and Kane were doing their like joint sort of co, leadership thing and that was just not that was not jaha and i think in an interesting way and this is sort of obviously like a whole bigger huge thing is that when when clark is torn between how to be a leader like like being a co-leader with bellamy and being a little bit like kane and abby or being like a solo like dictator Mm -hmm. like jaha Mm -hmm. i think that's kind of like all playing into the same thing Mm -hmm. that in a lot of ways and through a lot of the show we have sort of been like well Jaha is kind of silly because he's running around thinking he's going to save everyone when really it's Clark. (laughs) But now in season four, they actually are the same. Like they are exactly as sure that they are the ones who is going to save them all. And they have gravitated towards each other for that reason. Mm -hmm. And yeah. and I think Clark is kind of, she's being validated in her inflated sense of self, which isn't really conscious for her, but it's just a, a, so she's so, con, she's so convinced at this point that she is the only one who is right, just as Jaha has always been. Mm-hmm. Well, it kind of like goes, so you said, like, in retrospect,
1: it kind of goes back and puts like a really sort of sinister cast on Roan saying to Clark, you were born for this. Mm -hmm. you know
2: right because it's not like clark would ever say that about herself yeah but she's never gonna question someone else say it because she is the one who is who is de facto making the decisions on behalf of mankind yeah and i think in that way her and jaha are like perfect partners in crime oh yeah (laughs) have
1: you guys watched uh community yeah Mm -hmm. okay so you know the episode there's like an episode in i think season three where there's a kind of like storyline with jeff where his like his e- oh, oh he's on anti anxiety drugs and they like lessen mm-hmm. his inhibition and so like he's no longer he's no longer like anxious or you know like restraining his ego and so there's this sort of thing throughout the episode where every time someone gives him a compliment like his ego gets bigger and <laughs> yeah. bigger and is bigger. And always kind of like no no you gotta stay away from like you know flattering people and then it eventually explodes and kind of destroys him mm-hmm. I just thought of that with Clark you know like like Roan inside you know, there's like a little like thing inside of her that's like Clark's belief that she is the chosen one and yes. every time someone mm-hmm. like Roan says something like you were born for this it just gets a little bit bigger and a little bit bigger <laughs> and a little bit bigger yeah <laughs>
2: And now it's exploded. Yeah,
1: exactly.
0: <laughs> what I love about this is that I was really frustrated and we talked about this a lot, like this episode and so efficiently subverted so many of the things that were really getting under my skin. And like now, yeah. we, now we realize the point of the chosen one messaging was not yeah. to tell the audience. The story is about Clark, the Chosen mm-hmm. One. Mm-hmm. The the yeah. point of all of that was the effect it has on Clark, being told, "Help us, Obi Wan yes. Kenobi, you're our only yes. hope." Over, and, right. over, and, over <laughs> and over and over and over and over and over and over and over. And so she believes, like it isn't that she believes that she's necessarily like it's not it's not the arrogance of her believing that she's superior to everyone else. It like in mm-hmm. or better than everyone else, or everyone else is lesser. It's her believing that. She's the only person who can do the thing. Yeah. yeah, it has to be her for yeah. some reason. Well, it's
1: her belief that she's exceptional in any way. She thinks she's exception. Exactly. Yeah. She is an exception. Yes. 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 yes,
0: exactly. And and mm-hmm. so um so what is what I love about that is that you know, it was just with this one simple little twist, we've revealed that the reason that that felt uncomfortable and and false and weird having us have this whole sort of like anointed one kind of messaging wasn't that we were supposed to believe that was true it was like what does it do to a person who already half believes this to have all of these very trustworthy characters sort of reinforce that to her over and over again but so Mm. delicately Mm. that we don't see that it's about what this is transforming Clark into. Yeah,
1: well, I would I would argue that I mean I, I I do I will kind of stick to saying that I think it was maybe so delicate that like it didn't quite work as an arc and yeah I yeah, mean, it's yeah like one of those yeah. things where like it wasn't I think you know again I don't need everything handed to me on a platter but I do need like a legible yeah, story yeah, yeah. that has a trajectory. That is legible before you get to the conclusion of it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there um, there were, I think I have like one lingering gripe about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: But I think I I do really love that because it also kind of, again, I've been a little bit struggling a little bit to figure out how the her taking the night blood fit into her otherwise, I think, very clearly downward spiraling arc.
1: Yeah. uh, Like I think that has been,
2: this season for me has been very clear that Clark is slowly building herself towards something that is really, really bad. Yeah.
1: Yes, yes, yes.
2: But I think that one was the exception for me because I was like, yeah. wow, that's the hero Clark. That's the yeah, you know what I've that's been waiting a good for. Point. A- that was that was but, kinda like
1: the one like false mm-hmm. or or sort of like seemingly red herring or something.
2: Right. But I think what this does is this this is this sort of justifies that in her arc because this is just her building herself up more to be a chosen one. Right. Like, oh, that's even though true. it was a that's technically true, yeah. positive thing, it was still her taking on yet more specialness she was like in that moment i know she like could have died so
1: they don't have to because i'm special because i'm the only one who can and etc yeah and i'm not
2: like taking away the self-sacrificial part of that because it actually was she could have died there like she could have and she was willing to do that but that was also part of her realizing i am the only one you yeah. can do this thing yes, and the right. fact that she survived that it's not it's definitely not on the same level and it definitely wasn't in the narrative made to be the same level as jaha getting that that rocket to the ground but there is a little bit of a similar note of her surviving you know this impossible thing and emerging stronger and even more special for it and and then when she comes to Polis, she is so sure that yeah. she is the one who will right. and and she has this quote-unquote superpower now and she is so sure that that means that she can take the flame and and and, and ascend and transcend and what have you and yeah. and I think this sort of her literally going down into the bunker now is a is such a nice metaphor and and, and way of her, plus the fact that what was so ironic and so funny and something I, I wish I had I had put into my review, but I guess I can just say it now is that <laughs> is that Octavia literally accomplishes what Clark couldn't like. One episode later, and it is Clark who (laughs) ruins her own plan only because she doesn't believe that anyone but herself can do it. Like literally the only reason Clark failed in uniting the clans, therefore she believes it can't be done. Mm -hmm. And she jumps the gun and ruins everything because she didn't believe that Octavia could achieve what she could and I know that's not like totally fair again because she had no idea that was what Octavia was going to do no but But I think the irony is is there yeah sure and
1: and you know it just occurred to me so this is really interesting because I think this does kind of fit thematically so in the conversation that she you know had before going into the bunker and witnessed the theme also that, that kind of came up over and over again is like it's not even completely that Clark didn't Believe that Octavia could do it.
2: Mm, mm.
1: Specifically, didn't believe that anyone could beat Luna. Like the thing yeah. that Clark brought, brought up was that like mm-hmm. Luna is a Nightblood, therefore she's special because she had this extra mm-hmm. train Like she was like mm. Luna was literally born for this conclave. Yeah, Clark Clark didn't believe that Luna was beatable, and the, the reason mm-hmm. that she tried to make the deal with Roan is because. The the thing that she said to is she's like, I want to save humanity, by which she means, like, I want some human beings to exist. And the reason she said that is because she believed there was no way that Luna wouldn't win, which would mean the end of the human race. So the real Mm -hmm. issue, I mean, another way to think about it. So, like, part of it is that she didn't have faith in Octavia, which is, like, a kind of opposite sort of foil to Bellamy. But another part of it is she didn't have faith in Octavia – um or in anyone else, or or in, in in any of this kind of, you know, like anyone being able to pull this together, specifically because she believes so much in the like uniqueness and exceptionality and specialness <laughs> of the nightblood right. Luna. Mm-hmm. So like yeah. in a one another way of looking at it is that like the like Clark, ruined her own, you know, the thing, like, ruined the the chances for the very things she's been working towards all this time because she bought into that whole, like, one super-duper special person who happens to be a Nightblood can change everything for everybody. right, right. Clark saw this as a kind of, like, battle between her and Luna. And, like, Mm -hmm. she had to do something. And she sort of, like, totally discounted everybody in between, which really, I think, like, I love that point, you know, uh, Selena, that you're making about, like, the, the nightblood thing and the special list of Clark and all of this kind of coming together like this is ma- actually making me kind of I think when I go back and rewatch the season I, I, I think that Clark I think it's like it's gonna be I'm gonna be so much happier with Clark's arc throughout it because this is all kind of crystallizing and I think uh, but also I was also you know like thinking like so last week with the with the fake out Ascension I remember like Thinking, I was a little bit like sort of grumpy because I was like, well, what was the point of that fake out ascension? You know, like they could have just gone straight to we're going to have a conclave. But like the mm. point was the ascension like that had to happen. Clark had to do that because they needed something to be Roan's final straw.
0: Yeah. And yeah, something, yeah. and and it and it
1: couldn't just be like any old thing. It couldn't just like I think it specifically had to be the final straw had to be Clark trying to raise herself above everyone else, and like of course you know ascension. including him. Yeah, it's it's an mm-hmm. ascension, right? Like I think that that like that term, which they is kind of a happy accident because mm-hmm. I don't think they called it that in season three for this reason, but like she had to literally. Try to make an end run around everybody else by raising herself and making herself, you know, the most special, the only one who could make decisions. Yep. In order mm. to set up, you know, what happens with Roan um, and that kind of, like, final fallout between them in the next episode. So, like, actually that all kind of comes together, which also is, like, that's why Clark has to be a Nightblood. because right. right. Yeah. Yep because if she wasn't a nightblood she never would have you know tried that and i think her nightblood is also going to be the fact that she's more resistant to radiation will be important later probably but i think if, in in terms of this plot right here like that's another reason why like for this kind of to go down like clark actually did need to be a nightblood
0: well and i think like mm-hmm. what like selena like you were saying a few minutes ago about um the fact that this is all the nightblood thing is complicated by the fact that it it is also like a self sacrificial hero moment, which seems to kind of in some ways break up the arc of this descent. But I would actually argue that I think, I think the fact that so many of the chosen one things Clark does, like, like come from a place of. Self-sacrificial good intentions—that's what makes it impossible for her to see that they're overstepping. You know, like yes, like I think yes. the mm-hmm. fact that she thinks that she is taking a bullet for people instead of putting herself in the position to be the arbiter of all things, like, is why she can't see that she's becoming Jaha or the or that's or, the
1: dark side. That's why yes. she said, "I bear it so they don't have to." Right, that right, is right. Like this sort of like when she said that, it wasn't you know she was saying it as a self. Sacrificial way, but I think you know it's very important that that was Dante Wallace's line, yeah, because that mm, Dante mm. said that, yeah, at the moment when he finally conceded to doing the to crossing the moral line, yep. he had refused to cross, yeah, because at the end of the day, he was going to save his people, yeah, yeah. I don't think Clark has become Cage, but Clark has become Dante Wallace, uh huh. You know, and yes, like this absolutely. really really profound yeah. way, yeah.
2: This leader who raises themselves above their People or believes themselves to, to be have some kind from. of almost right. semi divine, yeah. um, in a totally different way from anything that has to do with the grounders, obviously, like just in terms of their own self importance, which is again something that we see reflected in Jaha. Mm-hmm. Yes. And now we're seeing reflected in Clark. Well, yes.
0: And the thing about Dante that I think is really important to remember is that, like, Dante was. Never not aware of the terrible things that were happening at Mount Weather to make his people survive. And yet he managed yeah. to talk himself into believing himself morally superior to those things because he believed mm-hmm. in his own
1: reasons.
2: I mean, look, yeah. he did what he had to do. Exactly. He had no choice. He yes. had
1: no <laughs> yeah. choice. <laughs> no choice. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. <laughs> You know, this is like kind of a perfect object lesson in the road to hell is paved with good intentions, but in a different way where it's like part Mm. of that is not just having good intentions, but convincing yourself of your good intentions Mm -hmm. and convincing yourself that your intentions are more important than, Mm -hmm. than any other moral concern. And like, that's the problem that Clark has is that she thinks if she is sacrificing herself, because sacrificing herself, because being willing to do a thing that's, that's, you know, going to. Well, I guess it's also kind of like, she's convinced herself that the ends justify the means. Mm -hmm. And she's sort of unable to hear, like Selena, like you were saying, she's unable to hear an argument to the contrary. And like, that is really the core of her problem. And that's like, Jaha also completely believes Mm -hmm. that, you know, Dante Mm -hmm. Wallace also completely believed that. And I think, you know, like, looking, if, if she is, like, if this sort of, if there's this kind of like strong... Dante Wallace thread in her leadership now, I think that potentially also means that we can go back and read that reference to Savages last week a little bit differently too. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, I still am a little kind of like rant about, you know yeah, yeah, yeah. that whole thing. But I think but I think maybe there was a little bit something more deliberate about saying, like, about drawing a line from Dante Wallace and the way that like, you know, the the kind of like mental gymnastics he put himself through to to justify what he did to save his people meant labeling the grounders, you know, savages. And Clark isn't doing that exactly, but it's the same kind of um, self-delusion and separation of herself from a certain group of people. This episode makes me feel like that was a much more direct line than it had seen, that had been apparent to me last episode. Mm -hmm. And
2: I think, and this is something that is also, I think, a really interesting thread that we're picking back up from the beginning of the season, and that I think that's one of the, that's, that's the reason that, I'm hopeful anyway, that that's the reason that Bellamy needs to be in that bunker with her. Because I think that's kind of what I was saying with, with Kane and Jahan and Abby and that dynamic that hasn't really been explored that much, but the bit of it we've seen, we've seen how important it is to not be alone with yes. this leadership. And we've yes. seen how important it is for Clark not to be alone in this leadership. And yes. we've seen her push literally everyone away to the point where I think there's only two people in the whole show that can say something to her that she will hear. One of them is Bellamy. Another one of them is Murphy. So, I mean, you never know. But I'm pretty sure they're going with Bellamy for this one. Yeah, I think so too. but, But they're... There's something that is hopefully going to be so good. And that's why I don't... Ha- I I I think this development is great. It was only the thing that I didn't love that Clark was this like mustache twirly
1: villain right. who yeah, revealed yeah, yeah. herself no, at the I, last I, I, second. Yeah, totally but, get that, yeah. yeah. <laughs>
2: but the, the rest of it is so brilliant. And I love how this is now like... We, we're going to have an opportunity for someone to say to Clark that this... You are not... The chosen one. You are not, I mean, obviously not with those words, but you are not... Doing a good thing here, yeah. right? You are not saving the humanity. Octavia was saving humanity. Yeah. You are ruining everything. Yeah. You need to like stop this madness. And I and it's not that I that I want because Clark has always been this way. Like this is not this has been a slow development for Clark. I think I think this season has really exacerbated it. But she has always been this stubborn. I'm gonna do this my way. They dropped us in the wrong damn mountain. Mm. Yeah. I'm gonna go across the jungle yeah. by myself and get you all food. You're dumb. Like this. This is exactly who Clark has always been. And I don't want her to stop being that. But I do think, and this is something that they've been saying in interviews before the season started. This is something that they've, I think Jason said a a few things from, for the finale that she was going to learn to rely on her friends. This is something that we have to expect is going to be a turning point for her. That is hopefully, this is hopefully like the... The bottom of this for her. Right. And she's yeah. gonna have something shaken back into her that's gonna make her realize, like, she's pulling a, a gun on Bellamy in the, in the trailer. Like, he's right. literally yeah. the person yeah. that she, we're to believe, unlike Kane, <laughs> which I'm like so <laughs> pissed about, but whatever. Like, he's the one person that she had to get inside that bunker. Um, and she's pulling a gun on him now. Yes. Clearly, this is her lowest point.
1: And it makes sense. I mean, like, you know, they've been building in all along how important Bellamy is to Clark in terms... Well, you know, they had Jaha say, you center her and and things like that. So I think, I think it's very... He's her
2: link to something that isn't Jaha. You know, she's what, he is what Mm. Jaha never had.
1: Exactly. He is. And then Jaha even said that.
2: Mm. Yeah.
1: I mean, like we talked about last time, you know, we've been with Clark the leader, not Clark the person. And, and like, Mm. and I think it's, it's clear after this episode, that is the point. She is right, Clark yeah, leader, right, and exactly. she has lost. Like yeah. the issue is that she has lost touch with Clark the person. And I think yes. if anybody yeah. can sort of, if anyone can pull her back into Clark the person, it's really Bellamy. Like I think Abby yeah. theoretically could do it, but I think narratively it's going to be Bellamy. So like obviously I'm really excited about that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think it's really also really interesting that in that bunker, we know that Kane gets in there somehow, some way, at some point. We know that her mother is in there. We see in the trailer, there's also a little snippet of, of Abby, of Jaha seemingly trying to like talk Abby into being okay with it. So mm. I, I, you know, I'm oh my God, like, Jaha's
2: finally getting like everything he ever dreamed. I
1: know. Okay. I don't know if they will ever actually love. directly, I don't know if they will ever actually <laughs> directly address the issue of like why no. they decided to kidnap Bellamy and make sure he was inside and not Kane. Which Uh, is just like I was when I thought when I realized that I was like oh "Oh, damn Clark that is cold like your mother's boyfriend (laughs) but my one issue with that is I don't know how they knew where Bellamy was because well yeah but other than that um other than that whatever but um but I mean there's a part of me that's also kind of like you know but I could I could see Jaha being like not really into <laughs> making having Cain in there Oh in the yeah. priority because oh 100% he's, he's
2: the chancellor 100%. Like, he's 100% setting himself up as the new chancellor yeah exactly so I,
1: so like mm-hmm. Jaha wants to chancellor. keep the, the competition out and it makes sense that yeah. Jaha would go along with bringing in Bellamy because like you know it was clear from last mm-hmm. episode that Jaha likes Bellamy you know like Bellamy is useful Bellamy convinced mm-hmm. everybody to kind of like Bellamy kind of like managed that, you know, that issue with the kids in Arcadia Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. for Jaha. So I think Jaha sees, you know, you can see how Jaha would see Bellamy as like useful, yeah. And he and Cain is a threat.
0: I absolutely think that. I mean, like, if you if you if you navigate past the question of everyone in the bunker assumed that was was we're meant to assume, thought Kane and Bellamy were together in the tower and we sort of hand-waved yeah. past how they knew that he even was on the battlefield, which, okay, fine.
1: Um, <laughs> I Maybe he was on, maybe the, like, the person was on their way to the tower and then they saw Bell- Bellamy and they're like, oh, sweet, this yeah. is going to be like, easier than I thought. Yes. Exactly, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um,
0: but because I, I definitely do think, like, what I'm, what I'm hoping happens next week that I feel like just from looking at, you know, the preview pictures just came out and from the trailer and stuff, I think what we're going to get is an Abby, Bellamy, like the people we love are still outside. Team up. Schemy yeah, yeah. Schemey team mm-hmm. up. But I'm also really rooting for an old school season one, Kane, Abby, Bellamy leadership trifecta, except with, the, with it reversed now where instead of being Abby versus Kane and Jaha together, it's going to be Abby and Kane and Bellamy versus Jaha and Clark. Um, yeah, but but all mm, of sort so of digging great. into that same kind of like fighting about like what does it mean to be a leader? Yeah, and looking at like the the preview pictures, like the thing I'm really excited about is it definitely looks like sneaky rebel Abby.
1: I think is is coming back. Um, yeah. like well, the yeah. you know, Abby. Interesting is it, I think at somebody I don't remember who it was. Claire maybe you'll remember. But at some point during the season, somebody um said that we can expect to see Abby and Bellamy talking about Clark and being worried about her.
2: That was in my interview with Bob. Oh, that's right. Actually. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I told Selena,
1: I was like,
0: ask him about his relationship with Abby. No one ever asked yes, him this. Yes, it was yeah. all you. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Exactly. That's right.
1: That's right. So, and we haven't, we all presumed it was like, oh, they're worried about her becoming a nightblood or something. They're worried about Mm -hmm. her, like, dying. And I think, like. They're,
2: like, literally worried about her,
1: like. Her mind. Yeah, (laughs) right. No, but I mean, I think, like, I'm, like, so excited for the prospect of Abby and Bellamy having a moment of being, like, the fuck happened to Clark? Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And maybe, like, talking about getting through to her. Because also, if you're thinking about, like. Clark is in a really dark place. She's heading down a really dark path. She's making decisions that are, are very disturbing and bad or whatever. If there are two people in the world who will look at that situation and be like, how are we going to save Clark from herself? It would be Abby and Bellamy. Mm-hmm. And so I yes. think it's like really powerful mm-hmm. to have the two of them together. You know, I think that makes it for the possibility of framing it as like as, you know, like, yes, of framing it as like, okay, we're going to team up and be sneaky and figure out how to, like, get out and save our people um but also framing it as okay but how do we do that and also we're not gonna like turn on clark you know we still love clark we want to like get through to her and we want to talk to her i don't know if this is gonna happen but man i just want like i would be so happy if we got a moment of either clark or bellamy or both at some point just kind of like having a conversation with clark that is basically like who even are you right now
2: Mm -hmm, mm
0: -hmm. And I kept thinking about, I mean, I don't know if we'll get it sort of this explicitly, but the idea of Abby confronting Clark, you know, like one of the things, one of the sort of interesting kind of facades crumbling that we've really seen with Clark is this sort of picture that she's had in her head all the time from the very beginning of believing herself to be her father's daughter. You know like that she yeah. that she lands on earth with this perception that when Push came to shove that she would have done like that what Jake did was right that she supported it that yeah. that in her in his position that she would have done what Jake did. One of the things that was really interesting um really early on this season with the lying about The, like lying about the apocalypse, lying about how many people Arcadia could hold, all that kind of stuff was sort of watching Clark have to face the fact that she was doing the, doing exactly the opposite of what she always thought that she would do if she was ever in Jake's position. And, and, and what I would love to Mm -hmm. see in this episode, and I don't know if we'll get it, is to have Abby say that, like to have, have somebody confront her with the fact that she's no longer the person that her dad thought she was, or that she thought that she was in relation to him. Jake would be so yeah, disappointed yeah. in this version of Clark because Jake was willing to get floated to take the risk of saving everybody, you know? And and not in a chosen one way, but like in a we all have to kind of do our part sort of way. And that he believed that the sort of secrecy and unilateral decision-making and that kind of like tyrannical arc system were contrary to how people were supposed to be, you know? And so I would just love, like, I'd love a Jake callback. And I also think this is a great place for a Lexa callback, you know, because like Octavia, Octavia did, like everyone keeps talking about how Clark learned to be a leader from Lexa, Lexa taught her to transcend tribalism. And then I think the fact that when push came to shove, it was Octavia who did that thing. It was Octavia who wanted to unite the clans as one clan. It was Octavia who was trying to build an alliance, you like playing by grounder rules, doing things the grounder way, you know, but uniting everybody as one. And that at the 11th hour, Clark was kind of like, fuck it. I'm going to, I'm going to lock the door you know, and save my people because but I can't. interestingly,
1: can. this could be, this is, this is a controversial opinion, which, uh, you know, some may be very mad at me about, but. Arguably, Clark's move at the end of this uh, episode is like a very quintessentially Lexa move. Well, I'm like, no, it is. I was yeah, going to yeah, say yeah. the same very
2: thing. Very much betrayal about This weather, is like very, maybe. very Mount Red. Or, or even Tondisi, oh, like Tondisi, like both of those. Yep. I feel like it's taking the people that matter to her at the very last second yep. and letting the quote-unquote bomb drop on everyone else or yep. even, you know, like like leaving her quote-unquote, allies yep. at the last second outside the Mount Weather doors because ultimately, at the end of the day, better save some people than to Risk have a bloodbath that kills almost mm-hmm.
1: everyone. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, like, so, I mean, that could be another misdirect. Like, you learned to lead from Lexa. We were all thinking, well, that mm-hmm. meant, okay, transcend tribalism, but, like, actually. Oh God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: said that on the show. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think I, I actually, I did, I didn't want to bring that up in my review, but I did, Definitely had those same thoughts yeah, too. That yeah. I think this is such a quintessential Lexa move, and I'm wondering how. And I'm thinking they're not actually going to say that. But I I'm don't wondering think they're going how to say they're that, no. positioning her in relation to that actually being a pretty terrible thing for Clark to do. Well, um, and that's yeah.
0: what I. I just
2: need someone to say that she's not. Actually, doing what is best. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah.
0: Well, and I yeah. and I and I'm hopeful that we will. I mean, like the episode description for the next episode, all it says is like Clark faces the consequences of her decision. You know, so <laughs> yeah. So I so I know like I just because I looked at the pictures online, like that that just went up on K site. So I know we do we do get a little ping of Arcadia, like Jasper and Monty and Harper, and some of those pictures. Mm-hmm. I'm really but, afraid that Jasper's gonna die next episode.
2: I I have yes. Anyway, I am now thinking that it won't be on. Uns- the episode after really like I feel like they'll make us breathe <laughs> I yeah, had
0: well. a it could it could be I feel like I can't remember where this came from but I but I remember conversations with multiple different people where you all sort of felt for some reason and I can't remember now why that Ian's episode was the one that where Jasper died and I oh
1: you know why I think it was <laughs> it's because um I think it I think it was because Devin bostic tweeted something about like a really filming like a really emotional scene with Chris Larkin and somebody, I'm pretty sure it was that somebody figured out that that would have been when they were filming. Yeah, film. yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah. That's why. So, But it
1: could, be like, that doesn't, you know, I mean, they could have a very emotional moment the episode before he dies. Exactly, <laughs> like, yeah, he yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is, like, where I'm hopeful that the
0: reckoning is coming is, well, is two things. Is is one, again, just sort of purely going off of episode descriptions. I, I think this episode really feels like You know, it could end up being very nearly a bottle episode. You know, everyone in and around that office in the bunker, everything kind of coalescing around the thing that Clark did, the thing that Jaha did. What are we going to do about it? How are we going to get through to them? What do we actually want to do? You know, if they go with Octavia's plan, they now have to kick some number of their own people out of the bunker. Um, Yeah. You know, and so that's fraud in its own way. I mean, I sort of feel like Sky people only have like 400 people left alive and there's 1,200 spots. So the easy solution seems to be let Arcadia all or let the Sky crew all move in and then divvy up all the rest of the slots among everyone else. And then it's sort of a compromise. That might be too easy. So I do feel like I think this episode is really going to be about everyone sort of reckoning with Clark's choice and Clark reckoning with how it changes those relationships that she did this thing. But we also do know from the next episode that the door does get opened because Clark goes yeah. Clark goes somewhere to save somebody, which we're assuming yes. is Raven. Yes. So what I'm wondering is if maybe the sort of the trajectory of these next three episodes is we see Clark, Clark has hit rock bottom in terms of her like, I'm the only one, this is all on me. And we watch sort of like the crumbling of, you know, like does Clark know how many of her friends – She's locked out. Like, she must know, like, Miller's back. We saw Miller for a second. So Clark Mm -hmm. must know... That Raven has stayed behind to die, and because Jaha's there and Bellamy's there, she must know that Harper and Jasper and Monty have stayed behind to die, and she has also locked the door on them. You know, like if Monty comes back in the well, rover, mm-hmm. how are they going to get in? And so I, so I sort of wonder if if those factors will come into play, if her sort of sense of isolation will come into play, and that what we see that the end of what happens in four eleven spurs her into realizing. That the relationships are important.
2: But I think, and I think that's sort of a really good point. And I think that might be how they bring the idea of the list back. Because I've been thinking about this and I was actually, right after I saw the episode, because I'm not like, a shipper in in that sense so I'm like trying to think look at it more objectively so I was thinking oh when she took Bellamy and not Kane I was like is she trying to recreate the list like what's happening mm-hmm. um <laughs> I obviously don't think that but I was just, that it was a thought that that sort of crossed my mind and then I was thinking well actually the whole thing about that list was that it was a really it was a really interesting narrative choice and it was obviously a way to bring her closer to Bellamy because they established that thing of of if you're on that list I'm on that list um But it got resolved really, really, really quickly, and Mm -hmm. we knew that it was never going to be used. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. in a a sense, what she's done here is she's very, very rashly or very quickly made a new list. She has decided, these are the people that are going to be saved. Everyone else are doomed. I have made this choice, and I've, like, pulled Bellamy into this choice, and... I have actively not selected Kane and Monty and mm-hmm. Raven and et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, who were not on the and original I think, list either, which is interesting.
2: I know. Oh, well, Raven was, but, um, oh, that's but yeah, otherwise, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, but, uh, but I, but I, I, I think that I could see that c- coming to feel, whether or not they're going to make that explicit, I could see them using it as a way of, cashing in on what they set up there which was that Clark had to close off her emotions to make a choice to save humanity and she had to like like leaving Monty off the list and having to to look him in the eye and leaving Harper off the list and having to look her in the eye and say I did this for humanity. Now mm-hmm. she's actually mm-hmm. faced mm-hmm. with a situation where she cannot hide from it. It has become reality. She has actively selected some of her friends to live and some of her friends to die. Mm-hmm. And in that sense, that is going to be part of her breaking point, I think, is that it's all good in the abstract. Now it's reality and it's all, it's all good sort of blind her like put blinders on and to sort of go la 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 la. I'm doing it for survival humanity la 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 but now it's those people are real people and someone is gonna say to her I am here someone else is out there and you you made that choice Clark you doomed this human being and I think I'm really excited to see that and I'm really excited to see to know that something that I was worried wouldn't have any narrative uh, impact because I thought the list was such a good idea. I'm really excited to see that sort of come back into play thematically here.
1: And I think also, too, like another nice thing that does to kind of, you know, to go back to what Claire and I were talking about with Clark last week is that that also makes the abstraction issue with Clark uh, Mm -hmm. like an Mm -hmm. actual huge part of her arc, that the way that she's been dealing with this problem Is by focusing deliberately focusing on abstractions, humanity. I would say it's been a chess chess game,
2: like you guys were saying. Yeah, Yeah. and she's been playing chess with her friends,
1: exactly. (laughs) And like, and like that's kind of like psychologically how she's been trying to deal with it. But like. They were coming to the sort of crisis point where she can no longer separate humanity in the abstract from actual human beings in front of mm-hmm, her. Mm-hmm. So, for when, the, when she made the list the first time, she, she, she made it never planning on using it. So, it was already an yeah. abstraction. Yeah. You know, like saving people, saving you the humanity, her people, whatever has always been able to be, like, a step removed from her. Yeah. But now this is yeah. where it comes home to roost, and she, like you said, she's going to have to look in the faces of people, you know, of people, not of humanity. Like, she's she's not floating above everything looking down. She is down in it. And so, like, yes. I think that is yeah. a kind of, like, cool way that all of that is sort of, like, all of that is coming in to this the sort of culmination of this um character arc and this plot in a way that, like, again, I didn't see it coming, and I'm, like, I'm, like, so it's, like, so cool to to kind of be like, oh, my God, I was so wrong. This is great. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and
2: she's on the list. She yes! saved herself. Yes. That was, like, yes! another, like, yes. thought I had in isolation before anyone else had watched this episode when I was like, I get that she did it, but why, like, the fact that she stayed on the inside and not mm-hmm. on the outside says yep. so much about Clark, yeah, I yeah.
1: think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and it also, like, ties her back to Luna, too, you know? Like, I think there's yeah. all sorts of kind of, like, the big, huge thematic ties between Luna and Clark. Um, which is why I'm sad that we never actually got an explicit story with them because mm-hmm. I think like that's really, I think that's actually, those ties are really important. But like another way, another thing there, like Clark also in this moment, like she's not facing it the quite the way that Luna did, but like, it's the same thing. If, it, when push comes to shove, Clark will save yeah. her own life. Just right. like Luna will save yes. her own life. Yeah. You know? And so, and Clark is kind of trying to, she's trying to find ways not to look that in the face. So like with the list, she wanted to do it. She couldn't do it. Bellamy gave her an out, you right. know, like Bellamy Bellamy kind of gave her a, a, a escape route so that she could put herself on the list, but then like tell herself that she wouldn't, she wouldn't really do that, you know? Right. And like this time she doesn't get that out. Like she, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. she decided to close that door with herself inside.
0: Well, and I think the thing about the list, I think in some way, I think it's like part of her hesitation about that is like writing like there's something about writing her name down on a list that somebody else might possibly see and somebody else knowing that she chose to save herself preemptively like that she planned to save herself I think I think Mm. gets
2: at it's her acknowledging that she's special yeah right
0: right yeah you're right so Mm -hmm. it's like in this moment it's like she's like well I did a thing like she she Mm -hmm. she ended up on the inside because it was her plan she executed plans she did the thing you know, and and there's I think, and I don't know if I'm how to articulate this, but like there's an element of Clark's perception of herself is challenged by putting her name on the list in terms of like a like a future long-term strategic planning to make sure her own life is saved versus executing a save the world plan. Like, if that makes sense, you know, like I think in a visceral way, it feels very different to her, and so her. Her admitting that she wants to live and that she has that same, you know, gut level lizard brain survival impulse, it sort of sometimes butts up against this kind of like heroic chosen one thing. And so I think just putting herself down on a list of people that she wants to survive was really hard for her, but executing a play is not hard for her in the same way, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. But I think, so I'm excited for like the human stakes of on paper, Cain being left off the list is an abstraction, locked in a bunker with her mother, with the man she loves locked outside. Absent Cain is not an abstraction. Absent Cain is Abby feeling betrayed and furious-
2: that, I hope you know, so.
0: that, Hopefully, yeah, yeah, I, like, yeah, I, I, if
2: I, will, I find out that, like, she knew about this, I'm going to be, like, happy heart I is going no, no, I'm no, no, no,
0: that.
1: no, I, I think the fact, yeah, <laughs> I'll just be, like, I will, okay, if that happens, then, like, we are harassing Jason Rothenberg until he comes back on, <laughs> oh to God. be, like, you, this is bullshit that explain makes no sense, yourself. explain yourself, <laughs> no, I, I
0: think, to me, I think what this is, I, my feeling is... What's happening, what happened in this episode with the absence of Abby is the exact same thing that happened in the rebellion episode with the absence of Abby, which is that for plot reasons that have to do with the fact that Paige and Ian are contractually obligated to sit a couple of them out, we're meant to believe that Abby missed this whole thing and then she's going to come zooming into the 11th hour <laughs> and then like scheme to save everyone. And so I, so to me, I feel. Maybe like,
1: Clark chloroformed Abby too.
0: Yeah. Oh, maybe. Yeah. Maybe uh, she did. <laughs> well, or, yeah. or, well, she said. Well, what she, what she said about Abby was, like, that they were getting the bunker ready for, like, whoever. Or maybe
1: she just, like, sent her mom down to the medical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. Yeah. I'm sure like that's what it was. Yeah. yeah, and, and exactly. she just kind of, like.
2: She comes in next week. She's going to be like, what happened? Yeah, yeah. Like,
1: what the heck? What's going on? Yeah. Why are all these people here? Yeah, <laughs> because it does, like, it does
0: really feel like. Um, just from the promo photos, Abby and Bellamy are scheming. And so I think that yes, I think we're going to yes. watch them have that revelation. And, you know, and Clark and Jaha preventing them from going outside um, because now there's a mob out there. And so, so I think that's going to be a place where that's one really clear example of the abstraction turning into a reality with a real human cost on a really important relationship yeah, to clark yeah, is yeah, that yeah, the two yeah. people in the world that clark loves the most have someone else mm-hmm. that they love outside
1: yep yeah exactly
2: and who in a way count on them because because yeah. octavia even said in the promo she's like yeah bellamy's gonna save mm-hmm. me and i i love that by the way I, I love that that too. So oh. and it's like such
1: a beautiful little affirmation of you know mm-hmm. the thing that that this episode got back for, for, um, Octavia's, her faith in her brother, you know, like, yes. and like, and her, and I think also to go back to what we were talking about with her before, I think, you know, like Octavia before even like season one Octavia or other Octavias would have always believed that Bellamy would come back for her, but she wouldn't, it would have been. It wouldn't have been like framed in such a positive light. You know, it's kind of a part No, of the, it would like, have been like,
2: Oh, I need him to save me again. Right, exactly. Like, like, I don't need have... to say Yeah, mm-hmm. like
1: but like this time she's like, No, it's because she mm-hmm. she believes in him. She knows how what you know, what he what she means to him. I think also because like I think in this episode, you know, sort of watching him with Rhone and so forth, I think it restored her faith that her brother will do the right thing. You know, like she has faith that Bellamy is going to look at the situation and rather than be like, oh, well, I guess I better stay here. He's going to try to get out. You know what I mean? So I think it's just kind of like, I don't know, my heart grew three sizes because I was like, Octavia yes, believes in her <laughs> brother. Yes. <laughs> and I and I love, and it does really feel like, which
0: I think is really, really lovely, Just just between, I mean, not even having seen the next episode, but just between like this episode and that preview, it's like, this actually really does feel like, bringing the Blakes back together in a way that feels organic, like in a way that feels like it isn't Mm -hmm. rushing it, it isn't pushing it too hard, it isn't um, warm and fuzzy and like after-school special ends in a hug. It's like we always knew it was going to be sort of like hard and messy and an uphill slog and that they aren't the same people that they were before. But bringing it back together in a way that feels like establishing a new baseline for how these two people with all they've been through and who they are now can have a relationship. But it, it feels, it feels real, you know? And I yes, and I really love that. Yes. Yes.
1: Yeah. yes, I do too. I do too. Hooray! Huh. Oh my God! <laughs> so, so I think I gotta wrap up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, thank you so much for coming on, Selena. It's been, it was so, so much, much fun. fun. Such a joy. I- I was I'm so happy
2: that I got to go on for this one because I've, I've been thinking the past couple of weeks because I know you guys have been like a little bit less excited and I've been super excited so I was like oh I wish I was there <laughs> and be happy but this one is like even better because it's maybe the one time I, I've, I've had so much to process about an episode that I just have not been able to do it in a review. Yeah. And I was like a little bit not unhappy with my review but I was just like it just doesn't It just doesn't do the episode justice because it was such a huge episode. So I was just really happy to get to talk it out, um, with you guys. So so thank you for, for letting me do that. Well, and
0: of course, and we're huge fans. We love your writing and we love your reviews. And so it was just, we were just, we like, we've been, we've been wanting to have you on obviously for a long time. And this, I think was sort of the perfect, perfect one to have that conversation, but we just think you're awesome. So.
2: Oh, yeah. You guys too. So much love.
0: Awesome. All right. And we will be back next week to recap episode three, four, eleven, which is the other side. Yeah, the other side. Yes. The other side yes.
1: Of yes. the door. <laughs> yes, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> uh,
0: yes, episode 411 directed by one Henry Ian Cusick. Um, oh, which God. I'm very excited about. Um so uh, thank you again and Selena. Julian
2: Shawna. Yes, Sorry. yes, and
0: <laughs> I love I love always love a Benson episode. The Bensons always do right by mm. the adults, so I'm really excited about um, I think there's enormous cabbie potential next week, and I'm really stoked about that. Um, <laughs> yes, so yeah, so thank you, Selena, for being on, and we will see you all next week for our recap of 411. Bye, 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 guys.